You better be listening to Slizoids or I must break you. Allora, andiamo andare. Amici Radio Forze Armate Alleate, interrompiamo il programma per diramare un bollettino importante. I sismografi dell'osservatorio Vesuviano hanno registrato un improvviso aumento dell'attività vulcanica. Si proclama lo stato di emergenza. Tutti gli ufficiali comandanti si mettano immediatamente al rapporto. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Sleezoids, the podcast where we go down the rabbit hole of 20th century genre fare from the most influential canon classics to the trashiest exploitation films we can get our hands on and invite you to tag along in helping us create a canon of sleaze. Each week is a double feature grindhouse style where we discuss two films loosely related by subject, genre, actor, filmmaker, or franchise. And at the end of each episode, along with our honorary Sleezoids, which you can become by subscribing on Patreon. We introduced a little democracy for next week, and you guys pick some bangers, so join that sleaze. We decide on all the official ratings and rankings for every film that we cover. Uh, Patreon subscribers also get an honor shout out and two bonus episodes every single month, which we have been doing for four and a half years or something like that. So there's like, yeah, 110, 120 plus bonus episodes, as well as our bonus transmission series where we talk about new release uh, genre films regularly. So if you haven't made the jump yet, patreon.com slash Lizoids podcast. And speaking of which, we did have a couple make the jump. Uh, this week. Nice. Uh, so we'll give them their shout outs here. We had uh, just a few this week. We had Bobby, we had Martin Bernab, we had Sergio uh, Zechu, and Charlie Taylor. So thanks so much uh, to you folks uh, yeah, for you. signing up. Hope you hope you are enjoying those bonus episodes. That's the one plug for the week. The other plug, as always, is uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you are listening on either one of those platforms, and I see the stats, I know that you are. I see you right now listening on both of those platforms. Uh, scroll down to the very bottom and give us a good old rating and review. It uh, helps us climb the ranks and find new listeners. And then the very last plug, as always, for the week is merch. If you like the poster art that based out of Toronto horror artist Trevor Henderson did for the show, you can get that basically put on anything that you can think of. And you guys have thought of some sick shit. You have bought pens, you have bought pillows, blankets, posters, hoodies. Uh, anything that you can think of probably you can probably get it that is in the link in the description as well as over at sleezoidspodcast.com but that is it for the intro welcome back uh to another week as always i am your host josh lewis and joining me also as always is my co-host jamie miller welcome back everybody Welcome. I think two weeks ago would have been the last time uh, you folks would have heard from us over on the main feed, and we would have had uh, special guest Eddie Averill from the uh, former Extended Clip podcast on yeah. to talk uh, the the myths of the West and some uh, some some very uh, some some big bangers that we needed to oh, cross yeah. off of our list that were wonderful. We talked about one Sergio Leone's Once Upon a Time in the West, his kind of uh, very very epic in scope sort of funeral for the westerns uh, bringing henry fonda the uh legend of american goodness in <laughs> cinema and uh making him shoot a child in the yes. first five minutes of the film <laughs> making him the um, most brutal villain ever put in a western 
or up yes, there at least. And the the only thing Eddie could have possibly paired that with is one of the uh, sweeter, more passive and relaxed <laughs> westerns of all time, My Darling Clementine, directed by John Ford from 1946, also starring Henry Fonda, but as a, as a man who actually brings uh, goodness and civility to yes. a, a very small, chaotic, destructive town. So we had a great time breaking down the myths of the West uh, with Eddie two weeks ago. If you haven't heard that, that was uh, over on the main feed. Go check it out. And then uh, last week, to kind of prep us a little bit for this episode, or I guess maybe not necessarily, um, <laughs> there, there was definitely a, a, a little bit of a connection, but we, we wanted to uh, uh, talk about some transgressive women filmmakers. Uh, yeah. So last week over on the bonus feed over on the Patreon, we talked for the first time on the show about Doris Wishman, the grandma of the sexploitation film. Uh, we talked about her film Bad Girls Go to Hell from 1965, <laughs> which is her sort of uh, domestic melodrama, psychological horror, kind of in the vein of something like Repulsion. Mm-hmm. Um, and Miss 45. Uh, or Miss 45 definitely took a little bit of inspiration um, from that uh, as as well. And we paired that with her 1983 attempt at a slasher called A Night D- to Dismember, which has a really <laughs> crazy story where she lost half the film negative in a fire and then spent four years in post, basically like rewriting the film and sort of like reconfiguring the footage to make something. And the fact that it is... I won't say it's coherent, uh, but the fact that it works on any level as like a crazy, psychotic, you know, hallucinatory sort of like dream gore movie um, is pretty spectacular and and, and really interesting to, uh, you know, see her kind of progress because she made all kinds of, you know, she started with nudist pictures, then she went into kind of like the the roughies and then she went into making movies about, you know, murderers who were murdering because they had a, a serial killer's penis uh transplanted onto their body <laughs> she also did the chesty morgan films uh which which is a woman oh, with on the chesty my list. Morgan films. So yes she, <laughs> she, had, she had a 73 inch bust uh oh, was on the poster, on the poster for maybe. every every poster and she used those breasts to uh to murder people in doris <laughs> films. so incredible so we had an awesome time just you know getting familiar with and talking about doris wishman over on the patreon uh last week talking about girls girls going real bad so if you haven't heard that episode go check it out and that kind of set us up i think a little bit for this week's episode where we have a uh very special returning guest joining us she is uh the girl on the seeking derangements podcast uh, and many <laughs> yeah. of you may know her on twitter as uh, zero suit camu or claire penis that's right mm-hmm. that guest is uh <laughs> essa sorry that i yelled that by the way oh no worries <laughs> i was waiting for it yes <laughs> Hello, Josh and Jamie. Thank you for having me on again. Of course. And, no um, problem. I'm definitely, nope. I'm adding Chest, Chest Daniels to my, what's her name again? Chesty Morgan. Chesty Morgan. <laughs> Exotic dancer with the world's largest breasts. And I, I was not kidding. She actually and does like apparently. shove. Yeah. I mean, like there are like POV shots of her breasts as if like the characters <laughs> are about to like motorboat her. And then she shoves their faces like into her chest and like suffocates them like you would like with a, someone with a pillow. That's like oh, a good God. portion of her films. It's one me and who. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <DM> uh, <me. laughs> but Hessa, last last time uh, we 
spoke to you, I'm pretty sure that we were talking Vampire's Kiss and Bad Lieutenant. So we did a little bit of Abel yes. Ferreira speaking mm-hmm. of uh, Miss 45. We So we talked about uh, psychic breakdowns on the streets of New York. I'm pretty sure it was that double feature. But you've got something a little different for us this week. Yes. So what have you brought with you? So this week I brought um, two of the girls with me. I brought <laughs> two of my of my ride or die gals, two of my favorite filmmakers of all time. Not only both women, but both Italian. Um, I brought Lena. Yeah, Ward-Miller's. please correct us on all of our pronunciations <laughs> this week because I know that you have yeah. the Italian heritage. You have the. Oh yeah, the I, I'm you, I'm gesticulating wildly right now. You can't see it, but. <laughs> But um, we have Lena Wertmuller's Seven Beauties and Liliana Cavani's The Skin, which um, are two of my favorite movies ever. They're insane. Um, (laughs) Obviously, you know, Seven Beauties, like more well-known, like probably like top five of all time for me. And like The Skin is like super, super like... I've never met anyone in my life who has seen it. <laughs> that yeah, was yeah, under a thousand logs on Letterboxd. We had a hard time even finding a copy of <laughs> yeah. the film. So like that's that's all we we love whenever someone brings on a movie like that. And then we watch the movie and we're like, wow, what the fuck was it's that? Crazy. Incredible. It's like the scale of it is wild. Yeah. <laughs> no one yeah, has huge. seen it. And they're like the ending sequence is like, well, I don't we don't have to skip there. But yeah, um, but right. I, get, I will say getting to that and then kind of. <laughs> reading a little bit of the production history i did understand why it never got american distribution which is why it uh it, kind of got lost in obscurity a little bit yeah it oh is gosh, wild wait, to see lancaster in it in something like just so oh i violent we'll, we'll get it we'll get into it in in, in total when we get to the film but yeah. uh, essentially okay, there, so. it was it was very very controversial when it played can and the american oh, distributor shit. straight up dropped <laughs> the film and like didn't want to release it anymore because of its anti-american <laughs> sentiment uh with the Yo, that's so baller <laughs> oh man um so, because if it had gotten released, there's no way the cut that we watched would be the version people would be familiar <laughs> with. That, that would have been cut to an R rating at some point, and you know, maybe there would have been oh, a director's yeah. cut. Down. It would have had a totally different life. They have to um, cut like 45 minutes out of that bad boy. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it's, <laughs> it's, in, it's insane because both of these films. Um, definitely look back at Italy's, you know, sort of complicities in Nazi horrors and Mm. also just like the broader Italian, you know, feelings of um, humiliation and debasement in kind of the face of them. So both tackle, you know, sort of like fascism and debauchery and degradation. And uh, yeah, both would have made a good double feature with a film like Sallow. So listeners (laughs) be warned. Yeah. that's the kind of things that we are oh. going to be discussing today. Very vile and transgressive post-war like art house films, but very, oh, very yeah. incredible. I mean, there's a, uh, a man has to fuck his way out of a concentration camp <laughs> in seven BBs, which if you're not comfortable with that, I would recommend steering clear. <laughs> yeah, we will be talking about it. Yeah, and, yeah. and I'd, say, I'd say that's probably the, uh, the less disturbing of the two films, honestly. <laughs> <Yes>. uh, so, <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's what we are going to be talking about today. So that being said, I think we're going to jump right into it. Let's start off here with um, Seven Beauties.
All right. We are talking Seven Beauties, uh, the 1975 Italian World War II sort of black comedy drama <laughs> war horror film. A lot written of things. And directed by uh, Lena Wertmuller, uh, also starring, oh, oh God, okay, uh, Giancarlo Giannini? Giancarlo Giannini. Oh, Giannini. Right? <laughs> so close. Oh, that's even easier. I just put, yeah. an, I put an extra Nini in there. Like, <laughs> um, and uh, Shirley Stoller. Um, this film is so bizarre because as Hessa mentioned, the, the basic premise is can a man fuck his way out of a concentration camp? Um, <laughs> but yeah. it also takes a, like, it, it takes a very, uh, a detoured route to yes. kind of make its way there. It spends a lot of time with this character, um, that, uh, Giancarlo is playing, who's named, uh, Pasquilan, oh, <laughs> not even get it. Pas, Pasqualino? Pasquilano? I Pasquilano. Think, um, wait. <laughs> Pasquilino. 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 And he is kind of this uh, this womanizing Italian oaf of a character who, <laughs> I, I, from what I understand, Wurtmuller even herself uh, described him as the embodiment of a particular petty uh, bourgeois social type. This was yeah. kind of her send up with, with this character, a guy who walks into a room, he's dressed up, he's swagged out, he thinks yeah. he's the hottest shit in the world, and he kind of looks down at a lot of the people around him, including the seven beauties he's named after, which are his... <laughs> seven ugly sisters. It's kind of mean. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and his his sisters are you know uh, you know they, they're they're kind of living in in poverty a little bit and they they some of them turn to you know finding men to kind of help them you know uh, make make do and some of them also turn to things like sex work and strip shows and other things which uh, Pasquilano basically thinks of as like the most the ultimate form of humiliating degradation that a woman yeah. would yeah. sell her body or you know in in that form and then over the course of the film he finds himself having to do much much worse things in order oh, to yeah. survive in the sort of periphery the rise of fascism um in italy and sort of uh mussolini's uh relationship uh, you know with with the Nazis and, you know, him having to actually join the army and kind of fight for them a little bit. But there, there's a whole lot of detours we'll get to on the way there, but that is loosely mm -hmm. what we're looking at when we're talking about this film. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's very like, it's very feminist in like a round, a roundabout, like strange way that <laughs> <Yeah>. is, <laughs> it's like, let's see how you like it. <laughs> and, um, yes. They, they were like, well, let's see this guy who hates sex work have to uh, be degraded and have to, uh, you know, maybe even fuck his way out of a concentration camp, even though yeah, people, I guess, were still people were kind of still offended by that aspect when it came out that, that the, the movie oh, yeah. was as they saw it, like directly comparing, you know, s uh, you know, sex work as debasing of an act as like experiencing a concentration camp. I was looking at contemporary reviews at the time and Ellen Willis and Rolling Stone called, uh, Wurtmuller a, uh, a woman hater who pretends to be a feminist. <laughs> and I think she was oh, citing man. mostly the, uh, <laughs> the the climactic scene of him actually having to seduce a very overweight and grotesque Nazi officer, which is played in some cases as like there is almost a gag aspect to it where he's like, can can he uh, uh, stifle his repulsions of the sight of her to make her think that 
he is yeah. actually in love with her. He yeah. literally has to look at a painting. I can't remember what like painting it was, but like he has to look at this like mannerist painting of like He's trying to like close his eyes and she's like pulling them open. Like, no, you need to look at me. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it's incredible. (laughs) There's, um, there's a lot of great physical comedy in this too. Like, um, it, it, this probably has my favorite fart joke in a movie, (laughs) which is, um, like a, like five minute long scene with no dialogue (laughs) of him, um, having to dismember a body of a, a man he just killed so that he could like can like hide it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he as he's trying to cut up the body, it keeps farting. <laughs> and he's just like it's like the the worst moment of his life. He's like chugging vodka and just like crying. <laughs> like, yeah, this like big fat guy just keeps farting all over. And then it extends too. like after he gets all of the parts in uh, three um, suitcases that look like they're all about to explode. And he's just like barely getting over the windowsill and falling down and trying his best to hold all three. And it's just yeah, it, it's. It's interesting to have such a like a, a physical comedy gag when you know what we're watching and you kind of know at this point the type of character we're, de- we're dealing with too. Um, yeah, and uh, I-, I loved all the the different tones that this took. It was it's definitely kind of whiplashy every once in a while, but I I felt like the majority of it melded together uh, fairly well, including kind of his exposing his character because the way that he's presented at first before you get the first piece of dialogue from the man um he does kind of have like a really cool entrance where he 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 walks down in his suit and he's smoking and he's got the red lighting on him and all of that i'm like yeah the the red neon on his boots like hitting the floor on his way into the club and it it, it looks like the killing of a chinese bookie like strip show club (laughs) Yeah, it's, absolutely. The direction is like insane. It's like crazy how well shot and like yeah. some of the choices in this are just like jaw dropping. Like um, the whole um, when he first sees the pimp, um, 18 Carat, I think is his name. Um, <laughs> and he's like um, the flamenco music starts playing. Right. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Face, the, like it's a spaghetti Western. <laughs> that's yeah. That's literally what's in my notes. Like the sudden burst of music yeah. when he spots the guy, there is like these zooms on their face and the close-ups of their, of their eyes, like glaring at each other. It, it becomes like operatic, an operatic showdown that even has him like, you know, showing his waistband and revealing his gun as if he's got it yeah. in like a holster there. He even tells the guy to grab his gun, I think, so he can make it look like self-defense. And then I think he messes up a little bit and preemptively shoots um but uh he's yeah it's it it definitely has that that showdown feel yeah it's it's definitely like you know and then him killing the guy is very much like um like if a dog catches a car and doesn't know what to do with it like because he's (laughs) like really all he wants is for this guy like because he ostensibly he's threatening this guy, this pimp's life and being like, you have to marry my sister like you promised and stop pimping her out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and because and, and like, not, not even because not even he cares so much about his sister. It's yeah. just, uh, this guy is humiliating oh, yeah. the family 
is yeah, yeah, his right, thing. Yeah. Like, like he's he's an honorable <laughs> Italian citizen, and you can't treat his sister like this by like saying you're going to marry her, but then actually pimping her out instead. Right. Yeah, and, you know, give, like he's giving as her mad these at the dreams. sister. As yeah, <laughs> the previous yes, scene, at, like it almost like when you when you say just this scene, it almost feels like it could be heroic in some way. But then you see the previous scene where he's just like making her look in the mirror and calling her a disgusting pig and all of that. So it's yeah, like, yeah. It, it, it's just like this man is doing things for none of the right reasons. Um, oh, yeah. And go ahead. Like it's like Janini is like this is straight up, I think, like one of the best performances. in. Any he's movie. so like, funny. Oh, he's great. And pathetic. He, it's incredible. He, yeah. His like puppy dog <laughs> eyes are like in. Like you just want to hug him. I'm like, oh. <laughs> Do you know who he like, reminded me of? He reminded me watching it for some reason. I don't even know if it's just like the look, but I I was thinking about Nathan Lane while watching him in like oh Mouse Hunt yes. or like the Birdcage. Yes, <laughs> he has the same puppy dog, like the same like yeah. sad look, like at the same <laughs> wounded kind of gaze. Like that he yeah. can just shift into effortlessly. And he does oh, have, yeah, like, it, it, uh, there's a ton of scenes, too, before, I mean, this is, once again, after we see him really uh, um, disrespect his sister, but then he goes out on the town, and they have this, like, really uh, fast, classical Italian guitar going on, while he's just being smiled at by everybody that's around him and, and all that, so he, he kind of Flashing the mustache and the hat. Yeah, and exactly. <laughs> he feels like king of the city, but we just know that this guy is a total piece of shit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah well, 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 and it's structured too because all of these sequences are like one extended flashback essentially. Right. It, it, it cross cuts between two different sections of the film, which is one, you know, the situation where you know he was the leader of his family, you know, kind of the the way he saw it. The locals kind of respected him, and he had power, and he yeah. had some control over his sisters, and he t- took care of them. Yeah, he was set up and, pretty good. He has he was like friends with the mob guys or friends, quote unquote. Because right, yeah. <laughs> They're yeah, they kind of they kind of turn him over pretty quick. Yes, um, but we know that uh, the context from the cross cutting that w- you know when this opens, it's actually him like fleeing and dirty through a dark rainy forest where he's actually deserting the Italian war effort by faking an injury by stealing the bandages from like an actual corpse and yeah. then being like, well, <laughs> you know, now now they all think that I'm hurt and now and then also he's scared that he's just going to get caught and be punished for just deserting now, so he's deserting out of fear that he's going to get caught deserting. Yeah. So it, it's almost it's almost slapstick the levels of like shit that he is going through. Yeah. <laughs> and he and to even like bring it back to like the opening sequence I think is um because it goes Oh the, oh, oh the montage stuff? Yeah, the montage at yeah. the beginning set to that music and um yeah, it's like it's smooth the, jazz or something. It, it like yeah, the it's, music, it's, yeah. It's like this like jazzy type beat and um, there's basically he reads like the thesis statement of the film like for those who don't get in- for those who don't get involved in politics. Oh yeah. Yeah, the oh, yeah. Really unions me. and strikes. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for those uh. who always vote white because they don't want they want to keep their hands clean. Oh yeah. Like it's like so crazy. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. Me- meanwhile, it's like played over top of archive footage of like, you know, the Italian Death. fascist politicians like being buddies with Hitler and then the explosive yeah. destruction of Rome that comes of a result. And then, you know, the impoverished conditions of the various civilians. Like it's like, how can you watch that and have, you know, pretend that you're still this cool, you know, Suave. swagged out guy who's yeah. going to walk around town. And, you yeah. know, like that, that's the attitude he has watching this. And then all of a sudden, you know, he actually finds himself like in those conditions. And mm-hmm. then it's like actually, you know, like a like a really big concern to him because in this sort of present day timeline, he uh, eventually is just straight up um, caught and you know, caught by the Nazis and mistaken or basically just treated like as if he was a Jewish captor right. and thrown into the concentration camp. And yeah, then all of a sudden, you know, I everything think- that he previously thought, all of his hustling skills need to now be applied in a completely more horrific context. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's like implied that they think he's an anarchist, which is because um, mm. the other guy that he's in the bunk with is an anarchist. Um, a gay anarchist, I think, because he also has like the triangle on his shirt. But um, right, right. The, um, his, I think, like his character can be summed up like so, like pretty succinctly in when he first gets to the um, concentration camp, and he's like, "I can't die like this. I can't die like this." And uh, you know the Jews, they're supposed to be so smart. How could they let this happen? And I mean, yeah. with all of these people that won't fight back, you're not going to resist or anything. And then like later on when people do resist, he's like, no, 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 no. Stop, 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 stop. They're going to kill us. They're going to kill us. Like, yeah. And he's yeah. like actively like trying to stop them from resisting. And yeah. Um, so it's like the hypocrisy is like unreal of his, you know, yeah. um, yeah, he he gets thrown into this situation that com- just completely reveals his character like throughout, which is the thing, mm-hmm. which is like, again, he he dresses all suave and he even is like, you know, he, he describes himself as, you know, I'm not like the prettiest man in the world, but, you know, the women find me charming. Like, mm-hmm. I'm a pretty charming guy. And there's this whole aspect where like that just carries no weight in, you know, this particular conditions that he finds himself in even though you can see him trying to make it work one of my favorite moments for him is when he but before he's caught just before he's caught when he's like desperate for food and he uh, finds that like rich woman's home and he spies on her and she's you know she's playing you know she's in this beautiful wood finished home there's the chandelier and the paintings and she's playing this piano and her her dress is kind of like you know kind of falling off a little bit revealing in that moment and it's like a louis it's like he stepped into a louis mall movie or something exactly (laughs) exactly and and he's straight up he he is like man isn't she cold with her great arse like sticking out like that (laughs) meanwhile he's just like stuffing his mouth full of like the stew and bread right in front of like the woman's mother like just right rambling. there yeah yes <laughs> i think the last thing he says before he leaves he like grabs a big uh i don't know like a chicken drum or something like that and, and just goes like your daughter has a great ass or something like that yeah. he runs out of the place <laughs> that is literally the last thing that happens before <laughs> they they obviously just like rat on him and he is caught and then all of a sudden you know he's actually in and and in mm-hmm. uh, I'll admit like in very very graphic and explicit uh, sequences of living inside the concentration camp like just really horrible yeah. image of obviously like the, the the prison labor and the hangings and the executions uh, even straight the, up to like waltz music yeah. yeah yeah even the design of um the the camp itself like it's not like uh 
what I've seen, you know, like with Spielberg, it's the the open field and the cabins and stuff. This is in like a concrete warehouse of some kind. Um, yeah. And it's very just like, it, you know, it's colorless. It's completely gray. It's cold. It's just it looks completely lifeless. Um, and there's a lot of different uh, interesting color schemes. Like I like also when they are on the run um, and it's kind of raining and they're in the forest. It's very like, it's very blue. It's kind of has a sadness to it and it's very muddy. Yeah. Um, and then of course, when he's back and he's like the suave pimp guy, he's, it's, it's very colorful and bright and vibrant. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that makes us really cool. Cause it, it, yeah. it's not just like it's, it's in the design, but it's also in Wirt Mueller's style as well. Mm-hmm. Just like completely mixing. She switches between in the present day, you have this like very harrowing neorealist Holocaust drama almost. Mm-hmm. And then in the flashback stuff, you have this more sort of theatrical satirical kind of expressionism. And then over the course of those, of the film, those two things actually start to just merge together in a really interesting way where it's like life is kind of both of those things it's not just one or the other and from what i understand this this mixing of like serious political weighty drama and like this more stylish musical you know very humorous kind of style i was reading up on work mirror a little a little bit and I guess it it, it kind of stemmed from her upbringing, getting expelled from fifteen different Catholic schools <laughs> Damn, because <bro. laughs> she wouldn't stop reading comic books and performing in avant-garde plays. Um, like a queen. Have, yeah. you, so, have you seen any other Wartmullers? I haven't, but I no. immediately oh was researching God. her, being yes. like, I need to go. Oh, I need to like immediately go and watch more of this because like Love and Anarchy sounds really cool. Oh, which Love is, and Anarchy. I think my favorites are this. Love and Anarchy. All of her stuff with Giannini um, Mm. Mm. is, like, really, like, amazing. Like, um... I found it amusing that Love and Anarchy, in terms of premise, it sounds very true to the title, which is like it's a it's a romance drama like about an anarchist who attends to us atten- intends to assassinate Mussolini, but instead falls in love with a prostitute. Is what I read. Yeah. Oh, okay. No. He there's there's a lot of anarchy like. Um, Giannini plays an anarchist in like a couple of her <laughs> things. It's, and then um, in this one, he gets mistaken for one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, I think he's dating an anarchist in um, The Seduction of Mimi. Um, okay. Which that's, she's made like four movies with him and those are probably my favorites of hers. But um Cool. No, I I, I need to check her out because I also saw like deep down in her filmography before, you know, she very clearly here developed her own sensibility that, you know, got her very well known. This film, you know, very famously uh, was the first time a woman was ever nominated for best directing um, at the Oscars, this film Mm -hmm. Seven Beauties. So like she, Mm -hmm. she, you know, got a lot of acclaim in the 70s for this distinct style of hers. But prior to that, um, she was actually mentored by Fellini. Uh, so that's why where you get kind of the neorealist element. She even Yo. did like some neorealist dramas of, of her own. And she also did, I saw, a spaghetti western, which is maybe where that spaghetti western moment came from, uh, oh, where uh, it's called The Bell Star Story. And it's literally just like a woman gunslinger on a big horse is the poster. So <laughs> I need to cool. watch that like immediately. I Some of her movies have like... Um there's one specific one I'm thinking of. Like some of them, the original Italian names are so insane and so long that it's like, um, it's called like, um, I don't actually have to look it up. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, no, no, um, no, no, no. I mean, f- feel free to go for it because this actually leads me into, she probably did that because of her own name. Do you know this, Hessa? Do you know her real name? No. 
I don't. It's it's ridiculous. And I'm <laughs> I'm going to butcher it just for the hilarity of it, but this is for real her name. And uh uh Archangela Felis Asanta Wurtmuller von Elg Spanol von Brick. Damn. Yo, not von <laughs> Brick. <laughs> <laughs> von Brouch. <laughs> That's crazy. That is yeah. wild. So I could see her referencing uh, her own name on on that one. But yeah, I, I really <laughs> like this style of hers where, you know, again, she 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 has this, you know, sort of, you know, very graphic, very grounded, neorealist um you know, sort of brutality uh, aspect to her, but then also puts in these kind of exaggerated characterizations and psychological elements that bleed into these kind of frenzies and absurd comedy. And mm-hmm. I think her hope, and, you know, people might disagree or disagree on, you know, the success of it, but I think her hope is that, you know, like one clarifies something about the other that like maybe this kind of hysteria and this kind of, you know, uh, sort of, uh, hustle that he has is actually what makes him a, a survivor of this particular situation. Maybe that's how you get out of it versus like, you know, the people who actually do try to unfortunately mount an actual, you know, sort of political resistance campaign, the results for them, uh, you know, a, a little yeah. bit more destructive and disturbing um, yeah, to watch, especially when those things blend together. Everything about his revolt is just personal and selfish, right? It's not like he's trying to get really everybody out. He's just trying to get himself out. And then, you know, later on, we know what deal he makes. So that definitely became more yeah. of a reality. Well, um, and I, I also love the logic of his resistance because his version of resistance is seeing this, you know, this this overweight Nazi officer running the concentration camp mm-hmm. who, you know, are straight up executing and torturing people right in front of him every single day. In and then like detail. leaving the bodies for days and stuff like it's really gruesome yeah. stuff. Yeah, really horrible mass graves and just really mm-hmm. awful imagery and at a certain point in the camp, he actually has a flashback to his mother instructing him, you know, a woman is a woman, Pascalino. Um, even an yeah. evil one needs a bit of sugar is how she describes it. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then that it's like a light bulb moment. He's just yeah. like, man, she must need to get fucked. Yeah. <laughs> that, truly. That, he's like, if I can me. just dick her down, if I can just dick <laughs> her down, then, um, I like, she, I know I'll like her heart will grow 10 sizes like the Grinch. But, yeah. <laughs> and he even eventually mentioned something like he's going it, to, it's paraphrasing, but like basically finding her humanity because she is also just someone that um, is doing things because she's ordered to do so. There must be somebody else that's inside her. Well, you know? A woman couldn't do these, these right. things. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then it turns out the shocker, he's he was wrong. <laughs> She's yeah. like a psycho. <laughs> Who would figure? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the like thing is that he he is wrong, but like he's wrong in like a way that his his he's just isn't moral enough to see that he was wrong. Cause like mm-hmm. the thing she tells him is like you have to pick six people from your like bunkhouse. And they'll all be executed immediately or else they'll kill everyone else in the bunkhouse. Um, yeah. And he is like, this is great. 
this <laughs> this rocks. <laughs> yeah, definitely the happiest dude who's ever been made into like a capo prison guard, which yeah, has like been the subject of many other Holocaust films. That it's like one of the most horrible experiences you could have. Like the person who just gets to walk you know, among the dead people, uh, you know, them seeing how privileged you are by like betraying, you know, your own, your own, you know, uh, people you're on the same level with. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's stoked about it. Yeah. And then after I believe he's going and he's kind of looking at who he would pick to do it. And I think he says that he's just going to like randomly blindly pick. So he doesn't have to think about who he's actually sending to their death. So he's not, he's yeah. unwilling to even take responsibility for the position he's put himself in to survive. Um, yeah. And it's just, and yeah, he's a pathetic character by the, by the end. It's yeah. Like well, even at the, the beginning, that, but it's really exposed by the end. Oh yeah. Yeah. And like the thing oh, that he dude, doesn't like, see there is that so much stuff. Yeah. She, she like is just randomly like, no, six people have to die. And he's mm-hmm. like, no, you guys, you don't get it. Like, we're six the six people <laughs> have to six people have to die like it's gotta yeah. happen and it's like bro like <laughs> you set up that whole deal by trying to yeah. survive and going to have sex with the big nazi girl so it's like yeah it, it, he's which by the way the actual sequence itself is incredible oh yeah um, it's unbelievable it's like love that green one lighting of the most makes it like so sickly. he screams and belts a love ballad down below to get the attention of the nazi lieutenant right. and then she she finally you know sort of relents and is like what the hell do you want she's very skeptical she's like clearly you're just someone who's trying to survive you you couldn't possibly actually be attracted to me and she's framed in like this sort of like office neon green with hitler like right behind her and she's yeah. straight up being like what exactly is your game you shit macaroni i think she calls shit him mac- <laughs> yeah and then and, and and he's sitting there there trying to hold back his disgust while saying like are you an enchantress or a magician because you put a spell on me <laughs> right yeah. yeah there's like a bronzino painting in the background it's like yes. or something it's like insane it's truly wild <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's yeah. one of the most insane f- scenes I've ever seen in a movie. Like, yeah, I think he says, and just, like, and, and, and just the conversation where she's just like, she's so skeptical. She's like, no, no, no you, you hate me, you despise me, you know, mm-hmm. you just, you just want something to eat, you know, you are, you are desperate. That's all that this is. And he's like, no, I'm crazy. You don't know what's in my heart. Uh, I, I, I think <laughs> that you are not what you seem. You are a poor victim who kills out of duty, just like me. And underneath. There is a fleshy, rosy female under that uniform that just drives me nuts. And I think he says that I think of you and I become weak. And if I am to be killed, then I want to be killed by you. He's literally being like step on me, queen to this Nazi officer, like right in, in front of him. And then at one point, she even just says, First, you'll make love to me then, and then I'll kill you with my bare hands. <laughs> yeah. And it, just the, the look of like, that's not exactly what I meant, but she's just like, that's what you said, wasn't it? So that's what we're <laughs> going to do. And meanwhile, there's like a huge zoom in on his eyes while like she strips down on the couch and starts whipping her vagina with a with a little hand whip. And it's doing like this hypnotic yeah, like, metronome crop, sound. Like, yeah. yeah, the riding crop. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, and then he <laughs> crawls over and starts like rapidly kissing everywhere on her body until he finally just Sucking lands on the, on the titty. Yep. 
Yeah, <laughs> then goes to town. Um, he, and he's like moving around on top of her like a fish flopping around on a dock. Like yeah, yeah. it even does a cut to her face as I think she yawns and is just like completely yeah. passive about the entire thing. And then yeah. there's also this thing that he seems to almost convince himself that if he were to successfully have sex with her, which he eventually does, that he'd be like convincing her of her humanity as well in that regard. And even after he he does it and um, and and they're they're done. She still calls him like the disgusting macaroni, subhuman, um, among other yeah. things. Um, so yeah, everything that I mean, he survived, I guess. But uh, the the dignity that I think he was also looking for was was not found. Oh yeah, he has. No, he no it's has, one of the most humiliating scenes that I've just ever seen in a movie. Yes, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. His, his dignity is completely gone by the end. Like he gets. Um, I guess in that sense, he does learn something because he gets home and um, the girl who he's, he was crushing on um, mm-hmm. is like, who looks like 15 also. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I think that's little... like normal in Italy. That was very, <laughs> that also happens in the I guess the, the girl in the next, yeah, I was yeah, just going to say. <laughs> but, um, and my grandma married my grandpa when she was like 16 and he was like 20, I think. So. I think that might just be Italy. like a thing in Italy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the girl, he gets home and he like sees the girl um, and she's like looking at him. She has like the same like puppy dog green eyes as him. And she's he's like, so you became a whore too? And she's like, yeah. Everybody did. And he's just like, um, <laughs> and did you make enough money to get by? And she was like, yeah. And he was like, well you're giving it up because I'm marrying you. <laughs> he's just, but he just can't even feel joy anymore because he's just so scared now. Like, yeah, he's so just yeah. like a... He's been completely hollowed out from, like, you know, the version of him who, even though he was a little shit in the flashback sequences, like, he was filled with, like, you know, there, there was life. a life to him. Yeah. And, and also, like, the way that that's depicted in the kind of color... And the absurdity of those sequences, like the ones we were talking about, where he's like dismembering a guy and shoving him into multiple suitcases. And but it's done in like this insane, like wide angle lens tracking shots, like from the film, like a delicatessen or something like that. And there's yeah, even right. a part where the police come for him and he swings on bed sheets like Tarzan and goes, you will never get Pasqualino. Yeah, seven beauties. <laughs> uh, like he's so he's he has that like very charming Italian passion to him, even when he's doing disgusting things in those early sequences and just watching that get beaten out of him not even just in the concentration camp a general sort of institutional malaise forms with the uh the whole like asylum sequence as well where he gets oh, thrown yeah. oh, into yeah. the psychiatric ward and he like straight up like rapes another woman in the psychiatric ward which is then cross cut with the concentration camp stuff like kind of showing you that like this you know sort of stuff even existed before this it's just the concentration camp elements were you know an extreme like this existed right. within people in italy and this is how they were kind of complicit in a way and yeah the cross cutting in those sequences is um, pretty horrible as well. And then it all leads to the actual, you know, because we just mentioned the ending, but like the, the sequence we haven't mentioned is the one where he has to kill his comrade, which oh, I think is yeah. just 
you know, oh, the yeah, most yeah, harrowing yeah. stuff in Definitely. the film where, you know, again, he's he's been made a capo prison guard for having sex with the Nazi officer. And, you know, he's so he's been giving the given the privilege of life, even though she straight up tells him your thirst for life disgusts me. You are a miserable <laughs> creature lacking in ideals and ideas. But uh, Lord. you are you are strong and desperate enough, you know, that uh, you could be like a useful tool. Um, and he all of his people who he's saying you know like i i choose you my friends like the six of us could live and Mm -hmm. you know at that point they are saying no that it's not worth it like they would rather resist and there's this whole sequence where like the guy he's talking shit calling them all murderous pigs and then like dives into the literal like uh, shit, oh, which yeah. then is like massacred yeah. with gunfire by the Nazis. So you're literally just watching them shoot into a giant pile of shit until like the body floats up. And it, it's I really like liked, uh, that guy's horrible. He says something earlier too, where he says something like the the way of the Nazis is order. So we may need a new man of disorder. And I think he screams yes. that before he jumps into the pile of shit. Yeah, he screams disorder. He's going to be yeah. the man of disorder. It's like a yeah. form of protest. It is a it's a pretty powerful scene. But yeah, very sad because then they just like you said, spray that disgusting shit water and you know he's well yeah because and and then they resume order right like they have him grab the pistol they hand it to him they say you need to shoot your guy and i i the the elegance of the camera work and the way that they have Mm. like structured all of the prisoners to be like in these sort of like perfectly composed lines in the framing and everything like that as well like this is the order that that guy was trying to disrupt and yeah it just you know it it, it didn't work like he just there you know uh that element where his friend isn't actually begging for his life but he's actually begging him to kill him yeah because he's like resisting is like getting hard like you will actually be freeing me if you don't shoot me my friend like somebody else will so at least i know you and you know i can't play the hero much longer because it's difficult to do i'd rather just you know be brutally shot in the head like in this moment where he does shoot him on the top of the head too which is i don't know why that detail freaked me out but just it's very it's not it's, it's not it's not the usual place where I guess someone just gets shot in the head. Like I feel like, and so it was very, or at least just the a, way it's angled, like the camera just focuses right on it. Um, it was, yeah, it was just a particularly unglamorous detail yeah. to have him like bowing with his head down and have the top have, of his head explode. And have it's like, so you much, couldn't even look him in the eyes. Right. Yeah. yeah. Couldn't even do him the courtesy of like looking him in the eyes. Before. For sure. And, and having that kind of suspense that leads up to it with what you were saying, just that big camera crane movement that goes all over the entire place until you find, Finally get to them it's just like it's oh, really yeah and it does stuff. one after too like mm-hmm, the the crane right. work on that specifically is incredible where it, it just it, it shows you all of the people that are there it focuses on the gun it comes up to him up to his face having just murdered his friend and then it it leaves the actual concentration like it it, it it literally like cranes away from the location which is then where it leads into the final scene where you know he is alive he has survived but he's just you know he's completely dead he's completely undignified and definitely he doesn't look down on anyone who has ever, you know, as he sees it, humiliated themselves out of desperation and probably will never uh, again do that. Even though, you know, I feel like at the beginning of the movie, you could have had a little bit more uh, empathy for his sisters. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but for yeah. but it's, it's, a, it's a very extreme way of getting there, but it, it is, yeah. it is, you know, that's definitely the intent of the film is that, you know, he comes around to being like, wow, I, I don't understand how this world works at all. There is a lot more things at play here. Right, right. Yeah. I also think there's a, I love the image at the end when um, before the camera turns around, it, it, it's having him look into the mirror 
and it's kind of like this two-piece mirror, so his face is actually blocked off by the wood piece before the camera spins around him, and it just feels yeah. like he can't see himself anymore, you know? Like, he doesn't see any reflection of the man he once was, um, and yeah, it's just he's so like sad. He's not even a person, and, like, right. I always cry at the end, that, like, shot with the, when the piano theme comes in, because it has this, mm -hmm. like, great piano theme, mm -hmm. and it's, like... Um, I just love it. Like the, it's like so depressing. <laughs> yeah. Cause even he's got this blank stare and he says, he says, yes, I'm alive, but it, it just feels like, no, you're not. You're just, you feel like a walking dead man at this point. Yeah. It's kind of going through the motions. It's yeah. It's really devastating stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Also, I wanted well, to mention the, uh, the, oh. the last song what, during the, the credits, uh, the, oh, the guy yeah. singing is just yelling it, just giving it off. on yeah. a vocal performance. And I just had to mention it because I was like, wow, this is something. It's really strange, but it kind of works. <laughs> I saw it as like um, a parallel of the first scene you see a sister in when she's mm. like basically you know, doing like a striptease, like burlesque type beat. Um, right. And um, is like singing really badly, and everyone's like laughing at her. Um, mm -hmm. I felt I felt like that was like um, his like turn to sing, kind of like yeah. Now it's him like singing this like pained, like terrible rendition of the song. Um, yeah, for sure. But mm. yeah, it's wild. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, and uh, pivoting, I think, towards the uh, reductive rating round here. Um, I think uh, for me, this was a this was a very very high four. Yeah. Um, for me, I think I think I want to watch a couple more of uh, Wirt Mueller's um, films and uh, kind of get a, a, a better sense for it because I did drop into this immediately and it was kind of like a little bit of a shock to go between <laughs> yeah. all of those sort of tonal <laughs> absurdities with like the really really graphic disturbing you know sort of wartime drama and neorealism aspects but I think that she you know I, I reading up on the contemporary reviews which is something I usually do for each film to just kind of get an idea of where people were like people were all pretty hard on this film even though you know it did um you know, get a, get her a lot of attention just for like the you know the the, the technical prowess of it. Like it's a very good looking yeah. film. This was shot by um, Tonini Delicoli, who shot Sergio Leone's uh, films, including the one we actually talked about two weeks ago, Once Upon a Time in the West. Oh damn! Um, there you and go. also <laughs> shot um, <laughs> Pasolini's Salo and uh, Gospel According to Saint Matthew. And the the one six six ratio uh, is really is really beautiful, and the production and the costume design, like all of it, is you know very clearly uh, skilled work. And to be able to apply that to something that just lurches in the way that this does, but you know, uh, but like with, with a with a real point to it, like it, again, the 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 switching between the more theatrical, satirical, colorful expressiveness and the more barbaric qualities, like it does, really capture you know this guy how he views the world and how that is just absolutely shattered by this institutional cruelty and these sort of investigations of power and gender dynamics that he kind of comes across and and the, the just the hilarious and pathetic skewering of as we mentioned at the start this uh this petty bougie social type kind of character who just finds himself in a a horror slapstick sequence one after the other yeah. almost um and yeah, I, I got a lot out of it. And it, you know, I, I do think that some people could find it maybe troubling or, or juvenile, uh, like with stuff like, you know, compare like with just the, the, the rape elements and the sex work elements and comparing that stuff to the concentration camp. But the ambition mm -hmm. here to be funny and uncomfortable and shocking, I think is a powerful one. And the climactic scene 
where he tries to seduce his way out of a concentration camp by having sex with a grotesque Nazi officer is just genuinely top tier exploitation yeah. stuff. Like it's, it's disgusting and it's yeah. hilarious and, and wonderful. So it's, it's I, devastating. I, it's like wild. <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, like, like to, to, to have such a sense of humor, um, but also still like maintain a little bit of that anger, uh, at the same time. It's, it's, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Check I'm, it out. I'm right there with you. I think, uh, right now it's going to be strong for, I just need to check out more. Um, and uh, I love all the changing tones. I, I love all of the different, uh, color schemes that she used to represent each era or just place that they're in. Um, it, it really is something to watch this character th- slowly be exposed basically to himself, how cowardly he really is. Um, and yeah, just the specifically though, the balancing of all these crazy tones, the slapstick comedy mixed with like a, a, a really heavy, um, concentration camp drama is just something I didn't think anyone could really pull off, but somehow it works. Um, and, uh, yeah, I can't wait to check out more of her cause it's, uh, She's she's fantastic. Yeah. So and anyone critiquing it for the cruelty, I think, misses a little bit of the point because the, the, the whole yeah. thing is that, you know, he he is cruel to these I, other people and looks down on these other people and then, you know, has to experience that, you know, from yeah. the other side of it. You know, like it, there's absolutely a point to it. It's not just senseless shocks or anything like that. Yeah, totally yeah. agree. And I also wanted to mention it was um, I think I'm pretty sure uh, one of the fascists in Salo is one of the mental asylum patients <laughs> randomly. spot on dude yeah the uh the, yeah. the, the, the cross-eyed one right yeah and he just shows up oh, he doesn't shit. i don't even think he says anything he just pops up for he doesn't one say frame. anything he literally just like shoves his face into the lens his for like five is, seconds his face is just so memorable now i'm just like oh my god it's him <laughs> but uh yeah anyway i thought that was cool to see yeah but for you hessa um i gotta go five stars you know me yeah. of course <laughs> I got to give it the old five out of five. This is like one of my favorite movies ever. I love it. It's like insane. Um, yes, it is. It's yeah. I just, um, the first time I saw this are, um, my friend Jared showed me shout out to Jared. I think Josh, you know, Jared from Twitter, but, um, yeah, he, um, he was like, didn't tell me anything about it. And my jaw was just on the floor. I kept asking him like, how is this a real movie? <laughs> like, yeah. what? Um, but and nominated wild stuff. Yeah. It's unreal that like the first, like the first like woman to be directed, to be nominated for best director. <laughs> it's, it's for like one of arguably like a very misogynist. film. <laughs> like, um, it's um it's wild like very funny at times there's also a shot where he's in the concentration camp and he's talking about how ugly he is there's he has a whole monologue about how ugly he is because he's having like a pity party and um (laughs) it cuts to like a low angle and he like wiggles his toes um and just something about it is so just balls me over every time i it's like (laughs) He's in like a concentration camp uniform, like wiggling his toes, like like a like a two year old waiting for someone to tell him that he's that he looks cute or something. It's yeah. like complaining um, about being ugly in a dire situation like that does kind of, I guess, show a shallowness to his character a little bit. Or just like well, he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's still operating right on now, like right? a like a social economy, right? Yeah, like that's yeah. that's where he thinks that he's still in, and yeah, it's. 
Yeah, what a what a character, just <laughs> yeah. in general. Like to conceive yeah. of this character and to play this character, and and it, it can't be, um, I think, overstated that uh, Giancarlo, like he he really does. Like this is a difficult thing. It's it, like it, mm-hmm. it involves physical comedy. It involves being, you know, just absolutely repulsive, but like still having a very kind of like playful pulse to the way you move through a scene. Like it's you know it's a hard thing to pull off. Yeah. Definitely. It's all those puppy dog eyes, man. He's got yep. those <laughs> those beautiful green, those big green eyes. <laughs> I don't know. I was trying to think of another <laughs> word for eyes. I couldn't. Um, all good. Well, we can recommend everybody go and check out Seven Beauties. I am yes. sure uh, it is it is out there for for viewing. I, I think at one point this was on the Criterion channel, so maybe at some point they'll uh, they'll 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 bring it back. Um, but uh, yeah, that'll, I think, wrap it up for The Seven Beauties. We are going to uh, be right back and we are going to be somehow <laughs> getting filthier and more, I think, even hopeless. Uh, we yeah. are going to be talking about the skin. Selvaggi, punti, quei capelli neri e pieni di brillantina da gigolo. Guapo, guapo! Ti prendi gioco di me. Beh, stami a sentire, quella tua bandiera che hai fra le gambe, te la puoi anche infilare là dove sai. All right, we are back and we are talking about The Skin, the 1981 Italian war drama film directed by Liliana Cavani. And starring <laughs> Marcello Mar- Mastroianni. <laughs> oh, Marcello, I would have got Mastro. Then amazing, uh, as well as uh, we're just going to stop Lancaster. talking when we do have to do a casting, and you can just promptly say the name yeah. properly. Yeah, <laughs> just send over the list of names. Just be like, go on yeah. for it. And um, speaking of another Once Upon a Time in, in the West crossover, too, Claudio Cardinale is in this as well, which I was like, oh, damn. Uh, oh yeah, nice to, nice to see her. Um, and this is uh, based on the novel of the same name uh, by Curzio Malaparte, um, loosely based on his own wartime experiences as a liaison for the Italian military. Damn, including mm-hmm. even having himself as a self-insert character. Like the, yeah. the Mar- Marcello is literally playing him um, in the film, <laughs> like this real guy yeah. who wrote this. Which is which is really crazy because apparently this guy he was he was an intellectual and a diplomat and a war correspondent, but in the '30s he basically was like our uh, friend uh, Pasquilano Seven Beauties. He supported Mussolini and the rise of fascism, like in real life. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. And, and and he he was stripped of his membership, however, from the Mussolini party in 1933 for being an outspoken independent within the party and for being critical of Hitler as a reactionary figure when he was uh, on the rise in the 30s, including I, I loved this detail when I read it. There was a chapter in one of his many books he wrote as a political thinker where uh, the chapter head that got him arrested was literally just calling Hitler a woman. <laughs> Yo, that was a chapter investigator. Let's go, straight, dude. Seriously, it was like chapter seven. Hitler, a woman. That is <laughs> <laughs> like one of those transvestigation Twitter accounts. Like, if you look, FDR was the woman, and uh, yeah. Eleanor Roosevelt was the man. If you look, if you zoom in, 
<laughs> yeah. So so after after that, Malaparte was consistently arrested by the Mussolini regime to the point where he actually ended up building a house where he could live under house arrest just all the time because he was getting arrested so much. Um, <laughs> so, so he just. Yes. <laughs> um, and eventually he did become a war correspondent. He did work as a, as a liaison for the Italian military, and he saw a great many atrocities and came out the other side of the war uh, firmly a Italian Communist Party member, which is when uh, he then, which is when he wrote uh, this story. Um, and again, I'll, I'm going to assume that a good portion of it is very exaggerated and fictionalized. Uh, but oh, yeah, you, you can, mean you, they didn't find a mermaid <laughs> cook it? I'm going to guess. <laughs> that really threw me off, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. Holy shit. Um, but, uh, yeah, where do we even begin I know. with uh, I, the this, skin? <laughs> the skin is like, to me, it's like Italian gravity's rainbow almost. It's like very like all these like first of all like Liliana Cavani is I think like so underrated as a director like she's constantly swagged out like um the night porter obviously um Mm -hmm. like one of my favorite movies and then um he has I can't believe like we were talking about this during the break but like I can't believe film twitter hasn't discovered um that in the late 80s, um, she made a St. Francis biopic starring Mickey Rourke as St. Francis. Um, <laughs> and she also has a, in 2003, I think it's like her only um, like English film is um, he had um, R- an R- Ripley's Game, right? The yeah, one with Ripley's Malkovich. Game, baby. Yeah, <laughs> I fucking love that movie. <laughs> I love Ripley's yeah, she, Game. Yeah, she's a really interesting director. I, I reading up a little bit on her. She was born in Capri, where this uh, film partially takes place, also in in, in Naples and Rome. It's a, it's mm. a little bit uh, bigger in scope, uh, like yeah. less about kind of like the the individual. Um, yeah, there's sort of not transformation like a in, in journey. central character really. We're following like three or four, and they all kind of um, they're doing things that'll eventually have collision. But it's it's not like we're focusing on the one character in Seven Beauties. Yeah, and and from what I understand, part of that comes from, you know, a little bit of... She got started in documentary filmmaking. She was born to... Her father, I think, uh, was a conservative architect Mm. uh, in land development. And uh, her mother and her mother's family was a very sort of staunchly um, militant, uh, anti-fascist family. So she had two different kind of pulling directions for her when she went into school and specialized in documentary filmmaking. And she made a lot of documentaries about, you know, grim subject matter and including, you know, sort of obviously the rise of the Nazis. But there was another one that I, I kind of wanted to check out after I heard about it, which was one about these tourists who came to Italy and like just killed a bunch of people in Italy for fun. She oh, made wow. a documentary about like a bunch of like, I guess, sort of like thrill, thrill killers. Um, and she made a lot of films over the course of her career about, you know, power and dictatorships. Uh, she made a film about the Inquisition uh, called The Cannibals, which used like Antigone as a means of discussing sort of the fascist Italian state. Oh, yeah. And her most famous work is what Hesse obviously alluded to, The uh, the Night Porter with Charlotte Rampling, which is um, probably closer to Seven Beauties, where it tries to take on a kind of mm. psychosexual uh, psychology to this sort of the backdrop of this, uh, you know, these political horrors where Charlotte Rampling uh, 
is a uh, former concentration camp survivor who actually meets one of her Nazi camp guards long after the war has ended, and they strike up a relationship um, where they basically reenact their sort of uh, troubling power dynamics they had during wartime in these very disturbing, erotic, and kind of sadomasochistic, uh, you know, uh, sexual acts. Uh, and they channel those unresolved feelings and tensions sort of into those sequences. And it was very controversial at the time. Even uh, the horniest man alive, Roger Ebert, who loved, by the way, I, he was one of the few contemporary reviews for Seven Beauties that like called it a masterpiece. He called That's the Night dang. Porter just like fucking despicable. <laughs> and trash oh, and no. that like nobody should like it he was and this is the horniest man alive watching yeah. just a beautiful charlotte rampling and he was like <laughs> he couldn't do it um, I, and if you want to hear my thoughts on the night porter which is one of my favorite movies ever listen to the um episode of we were talking about eddie earlier listen to the episode yep. of eddie's now defunct i heard that episode podcast yeah, yeah. <laughs> where i discuss the night porter and seven beauties Hell yeah. Look at you, but you brought it on both shows. Look yeah. at that. <laughs> <laughs> That's how much I love it. That's how much I love Cavani. <laughs> Hell um, yeah. Hell yeah. Um, but, but either way, she was a very, very, you know, she was very politically charged. She was definitely interested in kind of upsetting people and being kind of controversial. <laughs> but I would actually argue having seen the night Porter that like the night Porter seems tame in oh, comparison yeah? to this film. Oh yeah. Yes. Like hugely, like I, 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 the night porter is almost tasteful. I would argue <laughs> yeah. uh, this is like, you know, Love she it. is actually, there is a shock sensibility to this. She does want to transgress. There is mm -hmm. a, there's more cynicism, um, to this as Pretty well. Pretty much constantly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, cause, cause for anyone who hasn't seen it again, it is based on this, you know, sort of this, uh, liaison between the Italian military and the American allies, uh, who is essentially trying to negotiate a deal between a, you know, sort of newly, liberated uh naples um which uh is has just been freed by a very brutish american commander played by burt lancaster who obviously we've talked about once before sweet smell of success um also incredible in john frankenheimer's the train for anyone who hasn't seen that he's very very, very uh, leopard. you know yes Oh God. Yeah. He's just an, just an incredible actor and an incredible, there's something very like when, when I saw that he was the brutish American commander, something about that just really fit for me. He, he kind of has that look to him. Uh, but he has basically no regard for, uh, civilian life or conditions beyond essentially what the photographs that can be taken of his army liberating, you know, the, the Italian people yeah, that they he wants are to be the know, first they, one into Rome is like his through line. And, um, and the faster he can work out this deal with this mobster where he's, you know, trying to negotiate, you know, getting these German prisoners of war to look like they actually captured a bunch of Germans as well while they were doing it, even though the Italians actually did. Uh, th literally, the majority of this film is that negotiation taking place where they are actually mm -hmm. trying to trade, you know, these th these men uh, for taxpayer money. And they straight up go like, and it ends there's, a, there's a whole subplot. It ends with them turning them into soap instead. <laughs> yes, there's a whole part where like the like the mobster Jesus. is like fattening up the German prisoners like little piggies and stuffing them with food so that they weigh more so that he can negotiate a deal with the American commander that, you know, he pay for them based on how large they are, like in terms of how much they weigh. And then they go into like contractual negotiation about like, well, you know, could, can we weigh them in the morning? Because they'll weigh less in the morning. Can you? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's literally this movie is about how um, humans are meat. And like that's yes. like 
it's the skin. Just to be used. Yeah, truly <laughs> the skin. Like, um, and it's it's really just laid bare. Like, there's so many. I think there's like several several scenes of like accidental cannibalism that happen, and like, yep. it's very um, the. I think my the shot that always sticks with me is um, the shot of the um, young military, um, like uh, young American military guy who like Mastroianni has kind of like taken under his wing. Um, oh Jimmy, uh, yeah, the, 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 the little boy Jimmy played yeah. by by the way Ken Marshall, who we know Jamie as the the little boyish prince from the the children's film Krull, directed oh. by Peter Yates. <laughs> really, very funny. Yes, wow. Um, Literally, he he would have been done, did Krull right after doing this. That's oh, okay. so crazy. This what is like two films to do in a row. <laughs> the um, but he um. Br- like meets this other girl and again, like a 15 year old and he's American. So he has no excuse, but he like <laughs> meets this like young Italian girl who's like famously a virgin. Um, and he's like, look, I, I'll give you this leg of meat. If you, um, if you marry me and she's like, no, I can't do it. Um, and then, then it immediately cuts to him getting, um, fucked by a prostitute. Um, and as she's fucking him, she's like, as he's fucking her, she's like moaning, going like, oh, oh, and like feeling the meat, like the leg of in meat the, is bed, on the with bed with them. Yeah. 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 <laughs> she's just like feeling it. Like, <laughs> it's like, fuck, dude. <laughs> yeah. And there's like, anytime yeah, like, they go, like, it's, it's, there's also, they show all the different power dynamics. Like, it's, you have the, the, the official officers making that deal, but then you also just go down like the the poorer sections of um, the city where all of the prostitutes are and all of the soldiers are. Um, well, you see kind of half and half. It's like some of the prostitutes are going towards the soldiers. You see some assaults also in the background. Like there's just a, a ton of, uh, I guess, transactions happening. Um, yeah. But some they say um, that food um, that, um, women are less expensive than food. They say that you can get mm. a 10 year old for $4, I think at one point. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, 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 like that. C- c- cigarettes and women are like the, uh, the things that you can just get like super easily, essentially yeah. everything else. They're like, nah, <laughs> at one and point Mastriani like casually hands a woman, like a loaf of bread and she like bursts into tears. She's like, yeah. Oh fuck. Yeah. 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 Well, but because 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 there's there's this whole subplot where like an American senator's wife, who's also an aviator, like Howard Hughes style, like rolls up into town mm-hmm. to take like photo ops in the beautiful mm-hmm. Italian locales to show off the American war effort and the American involvement and in, like helping all of the women and children of, of Europe. Like this is what they are trying to prove that they are doing. And that's what's so interesting is that this takes the point of view of that even in you know, a a context of liberation that post-war occupation is still just like a really horrible existence. It's just another cog in the never ending wheel of these characters, you know, and I mean, these people in real life experiencing degradation and like flesh does in this film become, you know, the only commodity that matters to anyone, both for sexual consumption, violent consumption with like the amount of just, you know, nastiness and, you know, sort of disregard for human life, which we'll get to when we talk about the ending. Yeah. Uh, the ending and then there is, is also a lot of implied cannibalism as well. Yeah. yeah. And even, you know, what like innocent people in a sense are, are 
being forced to either have their children starve or literally prostitute them, which is a very harrowing scene to watch when it's specifically the, I believe, like 10 year old boys that are getting, um, yeah. yeah. Well, look, getting at, sized up by the Moroccan so, soldiers, yeah. sold into the Moroccan <laughs> yeah. military dudes. Who, by the way, we we hear in a couple scenes earlier before we see the Moroccans like literally spending money to have sex with children. There is the uh, uh, the like Moroccan French commander. Yeah, the the, the commander mm-hmm. like literally going to Burt Lancaster's character and being like, "Look, all of these Moroccans, they all got syphilis, man, and they're they're losing their energy. They can't fight. Like they're they're you know, and you know that they're just they they're getting it by having sex with children. Yeah. <laughs> so now it's, it's just like it's even it's even worse. Like it's just every dirty detail you could possibly imagine at some point is brought up um, in this. And I I loved the line that is said like three or four times over the radio. Different characters hear it. Venereal disease can be more destructive than war because all of these characters they're 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 so reveling in the post war celebrations and they're like yeah we won the war we've done it we don't have to do any more fighting they're all just literally you know indulging in every you know disgusting pleasure that they possibly can and it's actually more dangerous to them yeah, <laughs> yeah. than and actually being killed by nazis at this point there's there's a scene where like jimmy is like in his like room and like his other like um his like roommate who's another soldier is like you're fucked again man like aren't you worried about all the gonorrhea yeah and he's like yo you need to get laid bro and i love that like his roommate is holding a batman comic book while this is happening (laughs) he's like you gotta put that fucking shit down man you gotta get some pussy (laughs) it's like so funny Yeah, Yeah. and meanwhile, like, just outside, they're, like, loading up all of these corpses with, like, blown-off arms and people having infections and starving to death. Like, the the difference, I think, in, like, the decadent interiors and, like, in the production design of it and everything versus, you know, like, the exterior slum stuff is, you know, and how sort of, you know, geometrically close they are um, is, you know, something that's really interesting. And and, and it makes the movie, like, move back and forth between the two and how, you know, uh, how connected they are to one another despite the fact that all of these kind of like sort of rich bougie characters all definitely feel like they are at a safe uh distance from it like there are scenes in this where marcello like he looks like he's in like an italian vacation film you know he's he's hanging out with claudio cardinal and like they're you can see the beautiful mountainsides in the background they're They're having these elegant dinner parties yeah yeah i i also love how um Claudia Cardinale's like thing at the end, her like gift is she, her like her the end of her character's arc is that she like knocks on a door and like a twink opens the door and she gets to like <laughs> fuck a twink. Well, <laughs> well the end. Yeah, is, yeah, okay. and and it's it's like a poor kid, so it's like it's yeah. like a different it's like a different thing because by the way, her character and they they say this by name, her character is the anti-fascist princess. Right. Yeah. Which is just a hilarious name, which then Marcello even like says in dialogue. Yeah. He's just like, well, you know, if she's anti-fascist, I'd say that that's proof she's not a princess. Yeah, <laughs> it's really a great line. Um. I love like the palace when they're in the palace and they have like a Renaissance dinner to greet this. Um, yeah, that, 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 that huge tilt down from like the painting and the chandelier all the way down to the actual dinner party. It's a gorgeous shot. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's like the the like the way this is shot. Not the way it's shot, but the colors and like certain like frames like is very it like is very Altman ish feeling to me. 
in mm. that like the colors are very naturalistic and like yeah um you know it's very like um, on location and it's all it's very yeah, yeah. flowing camera work which i do like a lot yeah, which yeah, is, there's a lot of really nice, elegant tracking maneuvers and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, and also because like Altman, I think like took the ending of shortcuts from this, like, um, right? Mm. Like, yeah, the, I could see it. Because shortcuts ends with the earthquake, and this ends with Mount Vesuvius going off. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that that yeah. that part I really took to, especially too, because when I eventually I went, did that happen? And it turns out it did happen. So oh, then wow. it really threw me through a loop where I was like, okay, is how much of this is he actually, you know, uh, pulling from, you know, experiences that he had? Because yeah, there, I, I I went. When was the last time Vesuvius actually erupted? And I looked <laughs> it up, and it was in it, it was in 1943 in this exact area. And I was like, wow, okay. So he, I mean, it might not have happened at uh, such a dramatically convenient yeah. time to yeah. like really get into the, <laughs> the the riling chaos of all of these characters that they are experiencing. Sort of uh, their turmoil being expressed in a very extreme way, but yeah, what a just like an an amazing touch to have all of this because because you do feel that throughout. You feel like something has to break down here. Like this yeah. can't possibly be something you know oh, the conditions that continue and no one does anything about without like really you know horrific consequences because as it's shown the americans who are occupying and you know putting on this big liberation show and taking photo ops and having elegant dinner parties and you know doing all of these things like basically marcello takes a little bit of a disaffected point of view from it where he goes you know like i am here to be the liaison for all of these things i understand the importance of these things we need the american army but you know he doesn't like play the same games like he has kind of a downcast vibe to him he doesn't you know he's not as playful as like pascalino's character is you know he definitely does have like a he understands the reality a little bit more and that's why it's so shocking when like he does take the American senator's wife, who he's kind of a little bit flirtatious with. Um, but, you know, he he does believe that, you know, she's not as cynical as the war commander. He She probably just doesn't actually realize the conditions, which is how we see them. It's actually mm. him taking her to them. And there's actually these this sort of uh, this recurring back and forth that they do where uh, uh, they go like, are we even? Like, have you shown me enough cruelty? Have you proven your point? Like, well, it happens, it recurs over and over again throughout the film because he keeps taking her down and being like, yeah, well, you think everything is is great here because you're having a nice dinner? Well, check out uh, this back alleyway where open and free in public, you can see all of these mothers selling their 10-year-old sons to the Moroccan military um, so that they can, you know, that them and their children don't starve to death. Yeah, he also, like, relishes sometimes the... um, Yes. The, like, he... um, There's a scene where he's with... Um, Jimmy and two other soldiers and they're at this restaurant called the Morocco, which it's like so funny picturing this book. And there's probably like, like every, like two or three times every chapter, like, um, Malaparte probably just says the most racist thing you've ever heard about Moroccans and just like keeps topping it over and over in the next chapter. But, um, he, um, yeah, they're all eating, and um, they're eating oxtail stew, ostensibly, and um, they're all like, yo, this is really good. And then Marcello's like, yeah, you know, it didn't really taste like oxtail stew to me, and I didn't want to interrupt you guys, but... Um, and then he, like, arranges the bones on his plate <laughs> right. in the in the shape of a human hand with, like, um, 
fingernails and everything. And like one of the soldiers like runs away and just like throws up. And Jimmy's like, yo, you got him. How'd you do that? Like, <laughs> he's like, what do you, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? How did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> this is where we're at. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I also really liked, um, there's, there's one really great scene and I just, I love the, the whole sequence. Um, when we go into this like courtyard and there's this uh, tank that's been left over and there's just a ton of kids like taking parts from it. Uh, and it goes like all the way up the camera, goes all the way up the stairs uh, where they're having a, a meeting with some of the higher up officials. And the camera goes all the way through a room and out of a balcony. Um, and you can still see um, them, you know, taking apart the, the tank uh, part by part. And then it cuts to two soldiers that I think are planning on selling it for money. Um, because yeah, it's like, like a remnant oh, of the war. Right. And they like, go down. Oh, yeah, it's a Sherman tank, it's, man. Come on. That's got to be worth something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they go down and it's just completely gone. Um, and it yeah. only takes like five <laughs> minutes from what we just saw the kids just taking every part. And I think there's only like two or three parts left and they're absolutely devastated because it's just another obstacle for them to whatever, buy food or I mean, buy prostitutes. I don't know what they're looking for, but um, yeah, it, it, it's just, uh, I, I love the way that that whole th scene and sequence flows. Yeah. Like the Italian gangster just like pulling one over on these like American soldiers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, and it's cool too, that you'll, you'll get a moment like that again, that is, you know, kind of humorous and in, in a way, and also, you know, a little, yeah, it ha it's, it's definitely still kind of setting up the economy of yes. the way that this current town works right. and, and everything like that. But then you'll get scenes where like, you know, the, the soldiers uh, are driving on the grass and they just get hit by a random German landmine because instead yeah. of, you know, it, it, instead of having sex and, you know, they, they could be like going and actually, you know, making the place livable again, but they've just ignored the reconstruction phase, which is like my kind of my favorite aspect of this is that the occupying force they came in, they got the Germans out, and then they were like, that's it, I'm that, we're done. That, <laughs> th yeah, that's all That's all that this was. And there's no oh. more like literal of an allegory for like not doing the cleaning up work than like thinking you're having a party with your friends and then act accidentally being blown up by a landmine and having literally your guts and intestines hanging out everywhere yeah. in front of like all the children who are playing. And yeah. Don't they at the very beginning too, uh, I think it's the very start where they're all going up the, the hill um, and they're thinking that, that, that they're going to by the way beautiful i oh, knew yeah, what it, as soon as as soon as i hit it as soon as the title card came up and you had this like incredible like academy ratio framing of the two different army forces in single file line going up the two sides of the road and the jeeps going up the middle i was like okay this is going to be one of the most beautiful movies i've ever seen <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah like so sick <laughs> the framing is just incredible and 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 the 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 cramped nature of how you have to actually compose your shots in that ratio like really does actually make this feel like a really tight uh, claustrophobic kind of experience yeah and i believe at this point they they actually think that they're about to go liberate a certain section of the city and it ends up just being like it's it's already okay the people are having dinner and yeah. all of that <laughs> and they still celebrate as if they did anything in that moment and i i just think it it definitely um it, it rings true for the rest of the film where it's just a bunch of people that think they're helping and in fact they're just destroying it even further yeah, yeah and, and just, just like, like goofing off like like doing yeah. the the hail the hail hitler to like the the russian dog right and being like this is a nazi dog <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> it's like fun? it's because they even say the um the gangster guy with the prisoner um german soldiers even says like 
oh no, we took care of them. Like we, there mm-hmm. was an insurrection. It lasted like four days. We like a ton of people died, and um, yeah, we're still cleaning they, up the bodies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the there's next scene, another early scene. Yeah, the next scene is like there's like a ton of bodies and like no trucks like, to oh, transport them. Yeah, they're like yeah. And one of the Americans is like, was there a, was there a massacre? And the guy just looks at him like he's an idiot. He's like, what, yeah. are, you ta- what are you talking about? <laughs> like, yeah, we, we actually just did the actual military work. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, no, like people have just been dying. Like so many people are dying for the past like, like two years. And then you get yeah. kind of the frustration of the, the city, too, because there's a bunch of people from their windows like yelling at the transporters and the transporters yelling back like we don't have enough trucks. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Um, so it just yeah, kind of creates just the this logistical confusion. details like that yeah. are just disturbing. Like how it just builds up into the horror images. Where like, yeah, literally, it, it makes sense that we don't have enough vehicles to transport the bodies. So therefore, we're mm-hmm. just going to have all of these bodies hanging out everywhere in the images that you're watching. And like constantly in the background, you're watching people just like transport corpses like little meaty sacks like the like the gi yeah. who carries the fucking s- slab of meat with him there's always an italian character holding a corpse somewhere or holding at one point literally just holding a man's like a blown off arm being oh yeah like, they what do take I, what do man, i do like, with this they take him out of the ambulance and then um <laughs> a bunch of doctors like or like um medics like go back into the ambulance and um they like take his arm out separately and then there's a yeah. bunch of Moroccan soldiers who are like come on sell us the arm it's like Jesus, man, give give them a break you don't have to be racist towards moroccans every single like, yeah like everyone nobody comes off looking good in this film and somehow the moroccans are still just like they a level above everyone else yeah. they're like literally john belushi's character in um blues brothers when he's like sell me your children sell me your wife yeah. <laughs> oh man there's uh, w- one of my favorite things too that, that Hessa kind of alluded to and I think was probably the moment where the movie really I went oh this is what I'm in for uh, <laughs> is the, the, it, we referred to it a little bit earlier with like the renaissance style sort of like lavish dinner party that they're having and they're saying that we're going to serve this very special type of fish called a called a called a siren. It's a delicacy, and they imply that it's basically as rare or unique as like a mermaid. Yeah, they say it's um, from uh, Homer's Odyssey. It's based on that, so it's like this. They're like we have yes. a mythical creature, essentially. Yeah, they they're basically like it. It's like foreshadowed earlier when um, Burt Lancaster is on the phone because he's like trying to throw this like lavish dinner because the aviatrix is coming. He wants to impress her so that he can get and go with General Ike. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and the senator, yeah. And he's like, um, "What do you mean? There's no fish in the city. You have to find me a fish. We need to serve fish at this dinner. <laughs> We're on an oceanside villa, practically." Yeah. And then um, <laughs> he says that they're serving siren at the dinner, and like Mastroianni's like, "Oh yeah, it used to be um, a, a creature of legend, you know, but um, now it's just like a regular fish." Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then they reveal so, this like terribly ugly like baby faced but has boobs uh half human half fish body that comes out of this big fancy uh platform it's like yeah this is where i needed your guys's read because (laughs) we'll see because i i actually my i thought that they just dressed up what and served a child 
Yeah, is that what they did? That's that that's would, what it looks like they did. That's what would probably I, connect with the rest of the movie more realis- realistically. Yeah. I mean, they don't give us the scene of the rich people literally eating no. the probably raped, impoverished child. I think they um, even have reactions. Like some of them are like, "That's I'm not eating that." No, one of them yells, <laughs> but, "That is that is a baby." Like you're giving yes. a baby on a plate. But Mastriani yeah. is like, "No, I promise that's a fish. I I think it's a fish. I my read is that okay. it's like um." actually like this weird fucked up fish because it's like this weird <laughs> like this movie has like a weird magical realist bent to it but like mm-hmm. horrifying like um i don't know that's like because that is a part of the um there's like a part of um naples where there's like um the siren is like a famous like figure because a According oh, okay. to legend, it um, the siren that um, tried to like lure Odysseus in when um, she couldn't lure him in killed herself and then like dove into the sea and then her body washed up on the shore of Naples and there's like a landmark there and like a fountain and like all this shit. Um, so it is like it is. Yeah, it's it's like open to interpretation, but um, afterwards they do like someone does say, like, "See, I told you it was just a fish." Like, and um, okay, I could see it's like just but, more like a a physical metaphor for all of the ugliness that's going around in Naples right now, or something like that. Um, yeah, yeah, like it used to be a mythical like thing of like beauty, and now it's like. Right here, slapped on the table, yeah. ready to eat. <laughs> yeah. This disgusting thing that looks horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this this movie just is disgusting. Like, it's yes, gross. Like, it's, it is. It's, it, it, like, in, not, not, not just in content, like, in the, in the texture too. of it. Like, <laughs> yeah. just, like, like, just the constant, like, seeing body parts blown up, the intestines from the landmines, you know, like seeing what Kid essentially prostitute. looks like a boiled child and, you know, but it, but it's actually a fish, you know, the American GIs constantly essentially like gang raping and like abusing Italian women and, and, and children, you know, like just like guts and goop, uh, in, yeah. in certain spots. And, and obviously the uh, sort of sexual economy aspect too gets like really played up with oh, yeah, one the of Virgin of one Naples of the more scene. Yeah. yeah the Virgin of Naples <laughs> yeah. section I thought was like really disturbing because oh, yeah. the way that it's used in the film which leads me to believe that you know this is obviously a very this element to me was like the most kind of, I guess what I was a little bit more conventional, like the story of the American GI who thinks he's in a romance movie and finds sure, out, you yeah. know, that he, he meets this young girl, Maria, and he's like, I'm going to marry this girl. And, you know, like this. And I was curious, like how this played into kind of the rest of it. And then I got to this sequence and I was like, oh, OK, there we go. It's almost he obviously realistic the way she films it. Like it's got that. Oh, my God. That yeah, that tilt and, up where yeah. you see all like you see the lineup first. Yeah. And he comes really back and he's looking for her on that kind of rises yeah. as it goes. It does feel very ritualistic. Yeah. yeah and, and we find out that, that her father is literally charging all of the American and Moroccan and all of the various soldiers $1 a piece to come and basically just look at and touch and finger his underage daughter's 
you know, uh, virgin genitals. Yeah. Yeah. And the long, painful tracking shot towards her while he's like walking past hundreds of men and they're all being like, I I heard that she fucked a horse. And then the other guy comes back and is like, it's not that good, fellas. Save your war bonds. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) And she just looks like miserable smoking a cigarette and the dad is giving like this big show essentially in front of the bed and yeah, it's it's one of the darkest things I've ever seen. And he's literally doing like like a huckster routine as she like parts her legs yeah. in like full you know full frontal view for the camera and everything while Oof. all of the men just like watch. It's yeah, it's and then horrible. he and then Jimmy, our hero, ostensibly um, ruins our, like, his business. Lead, yeah, holds her down and like breaks her hymen with his fingers and then rubs. And he oh, sees that almost as like from a it. respectful thing. Strangely enough, and it's oh, obviously no, think, not. But like, I yeah, think he's, he's proving like, some point. Like he, I thought it was like because he wanted to marry her and he thought that they were in love. That he was almost doing this out of ownership, which is gross, obviously. Yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. But I wasn't sure what where he thought his morals were at when he was doing it. I think he was just so mad at both yeah, I think dad so too. and her. And oh, was right. Just like, yeah, he wipes yeah. the blood on the dad's face. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like he was absolutely trying to like prove a prove an angry point. Yeah. It's like horrifying. It's horrifying. And he's, then like, they he's, end he's, up like he's like he's like he's like now sell her as the virgin of Naples. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's it's like it's it's really upsetting. <laughs> Very. Yeah. So and, and not only are all of of the local women and children commodities like again the gangsters are trying to fatten up those prisoners of war who again that by the end of the film they are going to turn into soap instead because people need soap because this place is so fucking filthy yeah <laughs> more than they actually need the photo op of having captured german soldiers and actually you know like you know take exchange these people back and you know Hmm. maybe return them to their families or something you know like that kind of bit uh like just the the open debased cruelty and the dirtiness of just this on a scene to scene level is just really (laughs) brutal and harrowing and just extremely over the top at times but in a way that i i did find like you know really effective especially Mm -hmm. in the way that it just critiques people you know, uh, taking advantage of these conditions and just indulging in, you know, every pleasure that they can possibly think of just and because still they, thinking they're the heroes they just because, you know, they defeated the Nazis. So now yes. we're going to celebrate however we see fit. Yeah, I love I also love the gay Marxists when um, <laughs> the gay Marxists show up and they're like, um, and Mastroianni tells them, like, yo, you guys are so rich. Like, you know, Marx would have, like, fucked your shit up, right? And they're like, nah. Yeah. No, nah, Marx would have been chill with us. It's We're fine. Like, What was what was going on with the mock birthing sequence? Oh, that's, oh, yeah. like, um, like, gay culture in Italy is, like, insane. And, like, there's all these, yeah, like, the, the, crazy... They're doing a dance party and, like, whipping out, like, a little trinket with a giant dick on it. They're yeah. literally and then playing they're... techno music. Like, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're literally playing techno music. And it's a bunch of, like, gay guys and, like, trans women just, like, hanging out and, like, doing this, like, crazy, like, fake birth of this wooden, like, figure with, like, a penis carved into it. Like a with like a penis. huge penis. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, yeah. And then, know. and then they, they also form a parade around someone bringing out a giant pot of spaghetti. Yeah. It's, <laughs> at a certain it's point. So That's just sick. Italian. It's so you know? sick. 
the again um also the the mob boss at the end also when, really funny for the uh malaparte to uh take the american uh senator's wife to this and be like this is the same these gay people these are the same as the children being sold into slavery yeah, yeah it's like <laughs> it's like um it's very um yeah, the also the woman who plays the um the senator's wife is such a dime and she this is the only movie she's ever been in. And she's yeah, like Alexandra King. I looked it up. Yeah, only film. Yeah. Nuts. And she is like more female lead than Cardinale. I would argue that she's the yeah. female 100%. lead. 100%. And yeah. it's But but yeah, she, because she's an unknown, she didn't get the billing. Like Cardinale gets the top billing as like the as the lead. Right. Yeah, and she's barely in this, honestly. Like she's Um, but it's, um, you know, it's very like, um, yeah, that sequence is fun when she's basically has to go like disguise herself as a man to get in. And then, um, yeah, yeah, then the, I'm trying to think what else I really, well, she, she has, she has an interesting element to it because again, she is the one that, you know, uh, Marcello assumes like the, uh, unlike the commander, she is like kind of unaware of this transaction that the American and the Italian government are currently doing, which is that they're going to have this big four show photo op that the Americans liberated them and they captured all these German soldiers, even though every on the ground disgusting detail we've seen shows that actually the Italian mob basically got rid of the the Germans and they're the Italians are the ones suffering the casualties. And, you know, like this isn't a good place to live yeah like they're gonna show all these this film of you know all the happy women and children waving thanking the americans when like there is no actual you know that did not take place in this particular city and Mm -hmm. um she is someone who comes around to realizing that she is the one who kind of gets the arc like pascalino in the first film where you know she has to actually she has this different vision of what it is that she's doing and she's being shown all of this depraved things and all of these sufferings but it actually does impact her and it does change her like when she goes to the you know, uh, dinner party at a certain point and she can't even like the sit there and listen party. to them talk about, yeah, the second dinner party where they're talking about like, I'd rather be conquered by someone with good table manners. Is like yeah. the, the kind <laughs> so of thing that they're talking about. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> meanwhile, like a, a literally a, like an, an almost dead girl who's just been like bombed is literally dragged into the dinner party where all the women are there yeah. so that they can actually like perform open surgery on her. And literally Marcello is like, you know, we can just go to the other room and like keep eating and smoking. And she's like, no, I like, I need to, I need to see well, no, this. What, I need to see like what's actually happening here. What that was, was like, um, the girl was dead and like they, they were literally just in, um, in like Southern Italy, the, when someone dies, you leave their body out. Um, you like prepare Mm. their body like in your house and then like leave them out for like a week. And then every like all the women and everyone in the family. So so, so that's why they're sewing and like actually like brushing her hair and and they go to pay respects throughout that week. Yeah. And, um, all the women in the family stay there the whole week and just like sob and wail, like literally in the same room, like, gotcha. Um, like nonstop and, um, basically yeah, the, the, like, the, the fact that it's just like an already dead corpse makes it even worse that they yeah. just drop it on the dinner table. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's man. like, it's, it's, it's like wild. Um, but that's really what they do. Um, 
I've seen it Crazy. firsthand. Like they still do that today. <laughs> I've seen that visiting Crazy. my family. Um, and is this the start of the Vesuvius uh, sequence? Yes. That's, yes. That's yeah. where Vesuvius. That's where the Vesuvius stuff starts. I think. Because it just turns into yeah. utter chaos. It's an unbelievable. Yeah. The the hysteria like of on the ground of like what's actually happening just starts turns into like this very literal extreme, just constant yeah. screaming and running and crumbling and dust and sparks everywhere. It's very beautifully shot of like people running through the alleyways that are filled with smoke and fog and like even the the sequence of her like driving through it all say, and the yeah. sparks everywhere, like trying to get to her plane. Like it almost feels they, like this like end of the world apocalyptic you know, crazy, you know, uh, supernatural experience yeah, that's happening. Me, it reminds me of the end of The Conformist, kind of. The the scene mm. at night in Rome with the um, the searchlights going everywhere and, like, mm. um, it's, like, that, but, like, you know, it's, it's like, Magnolia happening. Like, it's, hell <laughs> yeah. just is real now and it's there. Yeah, you <laughs> like, see yeah, hell on of, Earth, straight up. Yeah, you see a lot of desperation, like, you were talking about that, that, um, scene where she's driving through the alleyway and people are literally holding on to the car and at one point you see two women um, legitimately fall and it looks like they actually trip like I don't know if it was just the the stunt work or, or what but um, it looked uh, pretty dangerous actually and yeah you just see like the desperation in people in that sequence well, and, and, and her, too, doing that bit where she gets to take off in the plane. It's actually oh, a really yeah. crazy sequence and the POV. lighting in it. And yeah, I love that. where she's like trying to fly through literally like an apocalypse. You can see the fire like outside mm -hmm. her, you know, like the, the windshield and everything like that, like mm -hmm. as she's driving in the cockpit yeah, trying like to get aviator. away before it is straight up. It's like <laughs> the part where he crashes and like burns. Yeah, um, truly. And. Yeah, and then she when when she crashes too, she immediately goes, "Okay, you know." And I love too that she she's like in her heels and her dress, like right. stumbling out of out of the 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 airplane that she just crashed, and then. You know, she's seeing all the people on the ground, and she's you know being like, "Okay, well, I need to actually, you know, I am here to." you know, as, as an, as an American to help these civilians. And she's straight up like trying to load, trying to be like, load these people onto the truck, telling the, you know, bossing the American military around because, you know, she is like, you know, as she sees it, she's, you know, in charge in a way, even though she's just there for show. Well, she is pulling, and she has a higher rank than them also in the military. That's true she's too. A colonel. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which, but, but, but these guys at that point are just straight up like, like lying the to the civilians. Here, <laughs> yeah. yeah the, and the, yeah. And, and, and also like, uh, I think one of them offers to put her in the truck at one point, but like, that's all they'll do. She's, but she's like, no, 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 you got to file all these people into the trucks. And they're like, no, no, this is the last truck. And they're like, well, you just told all those people that there are more trucks coming. They're like, yeah, no, sorry. There's no, there's no more. Like all those <laughs> people are going to die. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, but, 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 but we'll, we'll bring you if you want. And then she gets loaded up into a truck and is it with the Moroccans? No, it's I, these are it the American soldiers. Yeah, I think okay. Thank Americans. God, the Americans <laughs> yeah. got got a moment. Oh, Americans <laughs> been <one>. so funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, they can't even get one scene where it's not. <laughs> no, it it was American. Like, they were like, lunch. "Hey, baby." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so she so she she gets uh, assaulted in the truck on the way out of town. 
Um, and yeah, just nonstop awful stuff all around, like every single, and like, that's all in a set piece. Like that goes from her having the corpse on the table, yeah. the volcano erupting, her fleeing and all of these, you know, people screaming everywhere, getting into the plane, crashing the plane, all these people basically being left to die because there's not enough vehicles to take them all getting into the truck. And you think, okay, that's the end of that nightmare. And yeah, she's raped. I think yeah. the saddest part and the most like touching like part of that sequence for me is not where um, Claudia Cardinale is um, gets to have sex with a twink or when the mob boss <laughs> is like, ah, fuck it. Let's make some spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> or, um, I think it's when um, the uh, prostitute who Jimmy has been fucking the whole movie mm. um he's like at her apartment having sex with her when it all starts and they like look outside and they're yeah. like fuck and she just starts crying and he's like you've got to go we've got to go and she's like go where this is my home and he's like it's mm. not safe and then um later on in the sequence it shows her um she's on the street and she just like finds a guy who's like fleeing and is just like no come with me let's make love and then like takes him up to her apartment and it's like he literally doesn't know like any what other to thing do. to do yeah <laughs> really. it's yeah. like fuck yeah for sure it's very yeah, heartbreaking like, um mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do like how it, it expands to all of these different characters just like in this city, like the way that it will kind of crane around to the different perspectives as it as it, you know, moves through them. Yeah, um, especially, too, because it it does it does at a certain point, you know, start to overwhelm like the uh, the <laughs> amount of the just senses. cruelty and cynicism of just across everything that you're watching happening. Like it is literally just a, like a parade of disgusting set pieces, like one yes. after the other. And, and then, the and then characters trying is. to deny yeah. and the last one, and it saves the best for last. Yeah, for real. Straight the most up. gruesome and just, uh, like the ending is innocence dying in front of you. Literally the most like senselessly graphic <laughs> moment and it's that so I've detailed. probably just ev- ever seen. And then <laughs> linger so on it too. It's so wild. Yeah, <laughs> so let's, the let's ending get to after those details. Yeah, after Vesuvius goes off, everyone, um, all of our characters live. Um, thankfully, um, but the the the, the, the <laughs> fifth army that the Americans have been waiting for the entire time finally rolls in. So they finally decide that they're going to go and take Rome, which is why they've been stationed there the entire time because the American commander. Uh, Burt Lancaster this whole time has been just being like, yeah, we're just staying here because, you know, we want to, you know, be the ones who are there for, you know, the the big liberation of Rome moment. It's going to be such a moment like the the history. And they, they even talk about like the the ancient Julius Caesar tomb is right there. Like this is yeah. such an important moment. We are such important people. And then the <laughs> um, the next the next line after that is like that's Caesar's tomb. And then um uh, someone's like, what's that there? And um, Mastroianni's like, that's where the prostitutes go at night. <laughs> like pointing right next to it. Um, I also yes. really like the line. Talk where, about decadence meets like the the the, the sort of lowbrow sensibility. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, truly. I also really like the line where he says something like, um, 
he points out some type of ancient ruin that's been there for 2,000 years, and then the American response was, who, who cares? We have the Liberty Bell in Philadelphia. Oh, yeah, the one, like the one American character, there's an American side character who anytime someone says anything about, um, about Italy, he says... Well, Philadelphia, you know, in, <laughs> back in Philadelphia, it's like such a funny, like comic relief, like, character yeah, I really liked bit. that. <laughs> like, he's oh. like, at one point, he's like, the Italian community in Philadelphia is one of the best communities. There. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, Loves dude. Philly. <laughs> Oh man! Yeah, but 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 as the fifth army takes Rome, it, it's it's repeating the opening images from the beginning, where you have the you know the tanks rolling through, you have mm-hmm. the men marching, you have the people coming out in the street and celebrating and being like, oh yeah, it's not the Germans, it's the Americans. Like, let's go! Like, you know, we let's uh, we can we can win this. Let's do it, boys! Yep. And. There is a father in the crowd who's very excited. He's holding his son. He's <laughs> he's holding him in the air. He's trying to get an American to like Having look at his baby. Maybe, maybe maybe like kiss his baby or something. I'm not exactly sure what he's trying to do, but he's, he's like, like look, son, he's the excited. Americans are here to save us. Freedom, baby. <laughs> and he just slips and falls underneath the treads of one of the tanks. Oh my god. And in full graphic chunky it's like, detail it's like one of the so it's like some of the scariest gore i've ever seen it's like yeah. really and the cut it is, it it is literally so eye-popping you see the brains the yes. guts the goop everything just pops out of this dude's body as he is literally flattened like a fucking pancake beneath this tank and they show it to you in probably three different angles yes and then they cut back to the aftermath probably like three different times of oh just the this aftermath dude's- is on screen for like three minutes straight like yeah, where yeah and the only thing that's left is like like a like one arm is sort of like that is is left <laughs> yeah, of him, like a shoe you know, kind of reaching yeah yeah <laughs> Oh my god. I was and I was a little worried at first. I'm like, did we also just see a ten year old get crushed? Because it happens in such a fast cut. And then I, I do yeah. cut, they're like, we'll give you the tiniest bit of relief and have the child crawl from uh, out from under the truck or the uh the tank, just so you know that he wasn't crushed too. But then they just linger on this like what was once a human body for three minutes. I <laughs> I didn't yeah, I oh. didn't remember the kid crawling out and the when I was rewatching it, I was like Oh, when I saw the kid crawl out, I was like, <laughs> they're like, should have killed the kid. Yeah, I was like, I don't know. I, in my memory, they killed the kid. And it's it's like insane. <laughs> I mean, it's still yeah. insane. It's still crazy. <laughs> it's like, yeah, <laughs> it was like they just had one moment of like, OK, we'll, we'll give them this. Because yeah, yeah. it's we just been it. so constant. But then the kid. No, that is that is straight up like, like worse. Yeah. That is worse than your average Fulci movie. Oh, yeah, like yeah. see someone the, just get eviscerated like that. Like I've ever seen. It's so the, the detail <laughs> so. of just a full body like that being squished and with such focus of the camera. I've just it, it shocked me. I had like it, it really shocked me. Well, and and also speaking of like just like what a perfect like visual metaphor for what the entire film has been trying to show you <laughs> that like this liberating force is actually culpable in something completely different that they're using these work time conditions as an excuse and opportunity to indulge in all these pleasures but as a result turning all of these sort of lower social classes into literal 
commodities, but with the veneer of like, you know, we have reasserted democratic order and the social class and, you know, all of these amazing parties and, you know, like, but at the same time, you know, they are literally just flattening these people's lives under their fucking tires. And yeah, just really horrible moment that obviously as a result, this film, hugely controversial. When it played at Cannes, I think people freaked the fuck out. <laughs> and the 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 depiction of, awesome. because this is probably, has to be the most brutal depiction of, you know, sort of like uh, America's role in World War II, because as known to and taught to most Americans, you know, they came in, they 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 basically they, won the Second even World say War, is the, how they describe the dialogue. it. dialogue, they're like, uh, you can go, Jimmy. You're the victors after they just mutilated yeah, yeah, the man. the last line. Because they, uh, the, the best part about that scene is the the tank, like, after they run the guy over, all the, like, civilians are screaming and crying and, like, freaking out. And they were just and, celebrating, like, going crazy. Yeah. So there's that contrast, too, yeah. Yeah, and then the Americans are like, uh, and then they just leave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, they, J- they Jimmy's line is accident. so funny. Yeah. Yeah, Jimmy straight up goes he he looks at it and he does like the 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 erm face and he's like uh, mm, uh I'm I'm sorry about that. And then dot, 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 uh, we better leave. And like that's it, you know. But go. that, that's all he's going to get. It's yeah. To get and then yeah, he awkward. says you 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 can go Jimmy. You guys are uh you're the winners here. Like yeah. That's, and so, yeah, it's, it's such a brutal indictment of even liberating forces as, you yeah. know, frequently when it came to replacing and occupying one, you know, they could be just as brutal and they could be just as uncaring about the conditions of, you know, the actual people because that's not what they're interested in. Yeah, that's they not, want the you know, That's not the show. Yep. Yeah. So when I when I eventually found out that, you know, a lot of contemporary reviews were very upset about this film, especially the (laughs) anti-American sentiments about it, about, you know, how they, you know, used Europe as this sexual and financial play thing, essentially, while taking photos of themselves liberating it. Yeah. Um, And then didn't, again, participate in the reconstruction in any kind, just kind of left the vile, disturbing, you know, just like they leave the father behind and his mutilated. So in the Malton movie guide, you'll be interested to know Leonard Malton called this uh, a a distastefully bitter disaster. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) And that man loved a lot of movies. uh, You know, like the. the, the (laughs) That's wild. Not Leonard Malton. (laughs) Yeah. Too much what, for what is uh, what what is Cavini gonna do? <laughs> oh my God! Shots fired. <laughs> yeah, but um, just a really, really like really openly hostile, transgressive film with a real shock <laughs> sensibility to it. That w- with the intent that you know, like you know, going into it, you should know that if you know if it's not for you, it's not for you. But like the intent of this is to rub your nose. Yeah. In in the horror of this wartime conditions under occupation. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's not, it's subtle. like very, <laughs> it's, it's not for the faint hearted truly. Um, no, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Cause I, I, cause I've seen some like claim it as like a, you know, if they're trying to mount a criticism, like claim it as like a self defeating sort of like mir- immoral, like Mondo object, like a goodbye uncle Tom type thing where it mm. kind of just defeats its own point by being so aggressively distasteful and in your face about it. Oh, uh, I would disagree while, while making such obvious points. But I would say that the, you know, the jolts of graphic horror I found not, 
I didn't read them as smug and sly and superior as so many people who who clearly did at the time where they were like, wow, this is just very clearly, you know, trying to shit on America and all of our accomplishments. And, you know, it really did just feel more. It felt more politically charged than that. It felt more aware, like like to have yeah. like the scenes that Hesse was talking about, like the scenes where you have so much care given to these prostitute characters who are trying to, you know, uh, find some sense of love or humanity, like under these conditions. Like that, to me, just completely dissuades me of that um, opinion. And and to me, the fact that Cavini just had the convention to maintain this horrible, powerless vision um, in such like decadent cinematic detail as she does, because it's a gorgeous film. Um, I, I think it took a lot of skill to not flinch and like not look away yeah. um, from some of the things that, that, that she depicts here. I don't, I don't think this, it, it doesn't feel like an easy thing. It doesn't feel like yeah. she just with a complete shallow laziness was like, I don't know how to end my film. So let's just run a guy over. Like Big that's not how it ending. felt to me watching it. Oh no. Um, yeah. The shock is there, but it definitely feels just, uh, with the surrounding of the rest of the movie. I mean, it, it's leading up to that. It's it's leading up to them thinking like yeah. they're doing this uh, this very uh, um, great thing and they're being victorious and then they just blatantly run over an innocent and move on because that's all they know yeah, how to a, do. The, the, yeah. There's just too much skill in the buildup. There's too much skill to the way that she depicts how the economy works and through yeah. the shots of like, you know, having those long, elegant shots of, you know, like all of the, those guys in the lineup waiting for the girl or even just having moments of, you know, kind of uh, like human detail. Like one of the scenes we didn't mention, which is such a random scene, but it's the kind of thing that sits with you after watching this is the bit where they talk about how all the um, uh the black GIs love blonde women and all of the prostitutes who have, oh, yeah. uh, as uh, Marcello says it, flooded the market. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is a great t- way to describe that. Uh, all of the Italian women have black hair. So as a result, in order to try and charm them, they literally, they have a guy who is like designing you know, specialty underwear to make them look like they have really long blonde pubic hair yeah, that and they there's, wear. There's that amazing shot of just a row of the woman just, just showing the giant pubic hair that they have to all the soldiers. Yeah. It's like, and, and, and like I think to like show just a moment like that where like very clearly there are, there are real people living in these conditions trying to survive, trying mm-hmm. to, you know, up their business, trying to, you know, like to show all of that to me completely earns the actual, you know, like the the more disgusting elements that they throw in here that people seem to, you know, uh, think are too much. Yeah. yeah. And, totally and agree. Cavani, like um, I... I read this great book about Cavani called The Gaze and the Labyrinth, um, G-A-Z-E, not um, G-A-Y-S. Mm. But, um, and it talks about her like childhood in Carpi that, um, not Capri, but Carpi, which oh, is another Carpi. Italian city. But, um, Damn. The, um, We're so glad we had you on for yeah. this episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for real. <laughs> I'm learning so much about Italy today. Um, <laughs> But she um, she's from like around the same area that um, Bertolucci's from, actually, I think. Um, but hmm. she when she was like a kid growing up, the um, like town square, a bunch of like partisans had gotten executed when she was a kid. And like the fascists like stood guard and didn't let any of the like morning people pick up the bodies for like a week and um, wow. so, like, their families were just wailing and screaming and, like, 
Um, wow. Just like bodies like rotting in the street for like a week or something. And so she's like, yeah, like I feel like this is a very, um, and obviously like the cannibals, which like Antigone mm-hmm. is basically like, that's like her, the most Cavani type shit you could imagine is Antigone. And to like, um, this is like, yeah, it's, it's very, you know, people are meat, but we can't treat them like meat because that's really bad. Like, um, yeah, is, mm-hmm. I, I think there's yeah. like a, a certain, like not, there's like a, a certain, I don't know, not a light touch, but, uh, you know, a humanity to the way that yeah. she, um, shows a lot of this stuff, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think that that clarifies like a lot, like the, the story that you just told, I feel like summarizes like what it feels like to kind of watch the horrors that we see in this film. Like it doesn't feel like a like a like a gleeful. I'm, you know, look at it, all it, this. It, it does feel mournful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is, I think, which like, is just, you know, there is very important. There does distinction. seem to be more um, like we were talking about how it seems a little bit unempathetic with the way that they uh, portray prostitutes in seven beauties with this one it does feel a little bit more sensitive or at least explain why certain people would do certain things uh to survive and all of that it feels a little more empathetic just in that category yeah it's it's um because of the broader scope i feel it's less stage stagey like uh you know like less archetypes or mm-hmm. like, oh, this is like an economic thing. This is like economics that you're seeing. Mm-hmm. You're watching like a market getting formed, basically. Um, and um, another funny story, just really quickly, of the Italian occupation that my grandpa told me is that one time he was, when he was like 11, him and his friends played soccer against a bunch of American GIs. And um, they won... And one of the GIs got so mad that he shot the soccer ball with a gun. Holy um, shit. <laughs> That's wild. Which is very funny. Crazy. <laughs> that would be funny to see. I mean, shocking, but you just... That absolutely so could insane. have just been a scene in this movie, yeah. the way yeah. that the Americans yeah. treat the Italians. <laughs> sure. Like, it's, it is, it is just missing awful in the way movie. that they look at them. Like, they, they literally look at them like like playthings and objects to just fuck around with and, yeah. like, literally eat and, and kill. And, yeah, it's really messed up. Yeah, and yeah. even the one, like, Jimmy, who has kind of some type of, I guess, romantic writing with uh, uh, Maria, it turns yeah, into Yeah, romantic something. illusions. Yeah, yeah, delusions yeah. would be the word. It, it still turns into just something, you know, very depraved and it, it still feels like he doesn't really love. It's more of an ownership thing. So, yeah, it never goes into a very positive light. Yeah, the, the only the only moment he gets that I thought was genuinely very nice is that, you know, because after obviously he does that horrible thing where he breaks her hymen in front of everyone. Right. And, you know, like a really awful scene. He um, when when Vesuvius erupts, there is a nice moment where he he is the one who goes out searching for her and right. um, finds her like her father and family, like not taking care of her because I assume because she's not a valuable economic object anymore mm-hmm. for yeah. him. So so he has to go and find her. So there is a moment where like there is this kind of like moonlit sort of like concrete stairs that he has yeah. to move his way up to go and find her. It's very beautifully yeah. um, shot. And and just the production design and the architecture and everything that the, in general is just, you know, really, then, really um, expressive, actually. That, 
that moment is also undercut later when um, Jimmy is in the, the Jeep with Master Yanni and he's like, um, yes, yeah, um, no, we're going to, Maria's going to come with me. We're going to move to Cleveland together and get married. And Master Yanni's like, yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <Yeah. man." laughs> it's like he's leaving her. He's going to Rome. Yeah. <laughs> Seconds before disaster as well. <laughs> yeah, he's going to see, like, another 15-year-old there and fall in love with her instead. It's like, like yeah, yeah, sure, dude. Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. Goddamn. Yeah. But, yeah, if we're uh, maybe pivoting towards a reductive rating round on uh, the skin. This one, once again, the very high four for me, but, like, this one, this one was uh, closer to the five for me than even Seven Beauties, oh, and wow. I actually do yeah. plan on okay. re-watching this one. Um, again soon and uh, exploring some more Cavini as well because I'll be honest and Hesse you can't hate me I, I did have a bit of a muted response to The Night Porter it was a good film and I liked it and I respected it but I, I didn't have the reaction I had to this with it and I have seen a different vision of her like this recontextualizes a lot of the night porter for me watching mm. this so i am very curious to actually maybe go through more of her her filmography and like read up on some of those stories that you were talking about as well yeah i'll i'll send you some of um i'll send you i can't remember absolutely. who wrote this book it's really really good um there's stuff about a lot of her movies i can't remember if there's something on the skin in it um but um it's called The Gaze and the Labyrinth. I don't know why I'm just like plugging this random book, but I, <laughs> I love Cavani. I think she's like one of the most underrated directors, like criminally so. Like, um, Yeah, I think this film is a good argument for for that. Like I was yeah. totally blown away by this that like nobody talks about yeah. this. Like nobody has seen this. No like, one it, has it, seen like, it. <laughs> like how does this, how does this exist? The and I like literally hadn't. All of cinema for God's sake. Yeah, and I hadn't even like heard of it. Like it's 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 really nuts. Um, and and once again, I totally think that all of its, you know, even if it's obvious, all of its pointed critiques of post-war occupation and liberation as just another, you know, phase of human degradation, and the way every bit through the design and the narrative and the formal aspects, how it sets up this economy of the human body as a commodity for sex and violence and uh, f food. It's even implied, and I am always down uh hessa for anyone who shows me a new contender for most plainly vile transgressive <laughs> italian art house films yes. that i've ever seen and uh, it's by a woman we, we can do anything maybe that's right that's right so and and again one of the most upsetting uh visually graphic endings that i've just ever scene in a film yeah. so you know that's definitely going to impact your viewing i definitely like jolted in the middle of the night <laughs> yeah i was <laughs> while I open mouth uh, shocked <laughs> yeah. yeah i yeah just blown away so once again incredibly gross and 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 cynical and so if anyone has trouble dealing with blown out arms intestines everywhere child sex slavery gang rapes you know civilians getting run Moroccans. over by tanks <laughs> <laughs> Moroccans. <laughs> um, definitely, I would say, you know, prepare yourself. But yeah, I think that if you're, I think if you're willing to open yourself up to being like, this isn't being done just for shock purposes, there's a lot 
happening here. And the film is long. It's like two hours and 15 minutes. Like I, yeah. I think they're, the, I think the shocking stuff sits in your mind for longer, but I think the actual moments of it are less of the runtime than, you know, like these characters dealing emotionally and psychologically with, you know, the contradiction between the decadent you know, surfaces of this, you know, sort of bougie world that they are trying to reestablish, um, you know, through through violence and through the military and, you know, how it's not as easy as literally just like kicking a bunch of Germans out, how it's going to take more work. You know, you need to actually, you know, help these people, because at one point he literally said literally shows to her, he's like, look, the and, and he does it in almost a single tracking shot, too, I believe, where he goes, uh, Marcello showing the Ita- the uh, American senator he's like here's all these children being sold into sex into sex slavery for food and she's like why are you showing to me this depraved oh, awful things like are you happy with this this is almost a metaphor for the movie <laughs> yeah uh, why are you showing this to me is what she says and he says <laughs> because there is something to be learned here and it is like look you could solve this situation stop taking photos and give these people bread. Yeah. Like, it's like literally the easiest thing in the world. Like, the solution is right in front of you. <laughs> and they just, you know, that's not that's what not what the Americans are interested in. They would rather spend taxpayer money buying back these Germans that they're going to turn into soap than spending 50. And they spend a lot of money. They spend like $50,000. Yeah. Yeah. Load in $50,000 worth of bread and just drop it into the middle of town. <laughs> and like, a lot of this ends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but 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 establishing the economy is is more important. And uh, I think that, you know, she hammers that home very, very well. Yeah. 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 It's it's great. I'm also in the the four range. I I do think I took to seven beauties a little bit more, um, but I think it's just because I had a little bit of trouble get understanding what the film was leading to because I I guess I was kind of looking for a few central characters and what this ends up being more so is just like take a look at all of this destruction and degradation from the people that are supposed to be helping this city. Um, and so once once I kind of just sunk into all of the uh, the craziness and the disgusting uh, moments that that all these people are doing, um, I was I was able to latch on a little bit better. Uh, so I do want to rewatch this because I think it could. Um, I don't know if it would ever get the five. It might be too much for me i'm I'm not sure but uh it's it's very very good and i'm looking forward to watching some more from her um so yeah four out of five beautiful i i mean you know i'm giving it a five hell yeah (laughs) oh yeah wouldn't have it any other way i gotta this is it's my girl it's liliana is um you know is this your favorite film of hers no 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 just out of curiosity no i think my favorite film of hers is probably the night porter um the Mm. cannibals this is probably like number three or four honestly if um interesting god damn i gotta gotta check her out yeah 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 (laughs) damn no she um she whips also her her ripley's game um adaptation starring john malkovich as john ripley or not john oh. Rip- tom ripley fuck <laughs> um <laughs> malkovich cool from like 2002 it's like one of my comfort movies for real i love it i might watch it oh tonight, she did a comfort honestly. movie or is or oh, when yeah. you say that are you more like this just <laughs> disgusting shit makes me so comfortable <laughs> no 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 it's like it's a it's legit like, one yeah, it's like PG thirteen, um, you know, like um, very meat and potatoes type. Um, nice. 
you know, almost proto, like post Nokia wave type beat. Um, but yeah, I mm. think I, I love her. She's so underrated, like truly, truly, um, where people need to see this. Um, I, yeah, I think yeah, hopefully there is a way soon for people to see it. Cause we, yeah, we had to tough. do some hunting. I mean, Anyone I think, I think you rented show. it, you rented it on iTunes, right? Hessa? On Amazon. It was on, um, oh, on Amazon, yeah, on Amazon prime. I rented it. It's on there for like, okay. Um, it's which is it's annoying that you still have to that you have to rent it, but it's it's on there for like a buck. At least it is rentable. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. That's that's good. Yeah, and it's like a good and, 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 and too, which which I was worried about because I forgot that it was an academy. So when I t- first turned it on, I was like, "Fuck! Why would they?" <laughs> yeah, like why would they do this? And then I was like, "Oh, okay." Um, no, the Academy ratio photography is really, really like next level stuff with the with the framing and how it suits yeah. like the the tall buildings and everything as well. Yeah, it's it's a really gorgeous, um, gorgeous film. And yeah, I, I, at one point I think Hessa mentioned that it was also on Criterion Channel. So once again, maybe hopefully at some point they will uh, restore it um, on there as well. Yeah. And uh, may, maybe if enough people yell at them, yeah, maybe yes. they'll release it. Yeah, too, uh, guys. Uh, Maybe <laughs> everyone needs to see this. Yes, everybody needs to see Burt Lancaster being dubbed into Italian, which I thought was a really hilarious uh, gesture as well. Yeah. Because uh, as someone who watches so many Italian productions, uh, dubbing just it, it sounds natural to me now. Uh, with yeah. Italian westerns and horror, right. I've seen enough of them that it can't bother me at all. Yep. But it is very funny to me that they very clearly casted American actors in this film. They had them clearly speaking English, but it <laughs> never got released to an American market. So they probably never even did an English track for it. They probably just released it in Italian in Europe. Yeah, and that was true. it. Yeah. Um, I, so it's so it's it's very funny to watch like Burt Lancaster very clearly yelling in English and even <laughs> having like an Italian trans like he's speaking Italian and having an Italian translator translate his Italian to the other Italian characters and stuff. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a quirky little detail that, again, only exists because of the bizarre production, you know, distribution history where people thought this was too, too much to play in America. American audiences could not handle it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if well, you're an American and word. you feel this is and like you feel E.T. came out like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, beautiful. I um Josh, have you seen The Leopard? Do you know what? I haven't seen The Leopard, but mm. I just uh blind bought it because I have I I got it in the last Criterion sale because it looks great and I every single one of my mutuals like loves it. So I was like, okay, I'm assuming I'm going to love this. Uh, and it's also Claudia and Bert. Yeah, and and, and, uh, and uh, Elaine. Elaine is in yeah. that too, right? I that's yeah. the movie that turned me gay. I'm dead se- I saw that <laughs> when I was like 11 and I saw Elaine Delon and I was like, fuck, dude. <laughs> oh shit. Amazing. Um uh, but yeah, so I'm gonna be watching that soon. I'm lit- I can literally see the Blu-ray from where I'm sitting right now. That's that might be the next one I bring on. <laughs> oh, so maybe I'll save it then. Maybe I'll save it. Uh, yeah, but thank if you. If you want to give us an Italian history lesson <laughs> once a year for the rest of the time, oh, I, I would, would love. I would, yeah. I would do it. Oh my god, I would be honored. <laughs> I'll bring on our Italian man. correspondent <laughs> yeah. for the time being. <laughs> Uh, I could do oh, the trans man. stuff on Cemetery Man too. Have you guys done Cemetery Man? We actually have done yeah. Cemetery Man, believe it or not. Do you uh, did you cover the trans film. stuff? No, what is the trans stuff in Cemetery? Oh, did I miss something? The lead actor, um 
used to be trans and then detransitioned. And oh. that's oh. why that's why like half the movie about is that. about that's why half the movie is about him getting like um, his penis like removed chemically and then um, we d- yeah we, I remember <laughs> us being like that is such oh, yeah. a like a like a a specific detail yeah. and a specific <laughs> right, fear right. to include throughout the film we definitely discussed that that's so crazy I didn't know that at all it's so yeah, we must not looked up the him. actor specifically I'm gonna have to rewatch it now with that in mind yeah, yeah it's wild. <laughs> But yeah, uh, Michelle, is it Michelle Suave who did that, I think? The stage fright guy? Um, yes, yeah. Okay, yeah, because yeah, we've, we, we've covered that and, and stage fright. I'm definitely <laughs> interested in him because he did, uh, he did a, a couple, he was also like in a bunch of um, Argento and Fulci movies because he was just like, he was just like hanging out with all those guys. <laughs> I, I think he's one of the dudes who gets ripped to shreds in City of the Living Dead. Oh, shit. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, I think that will just about wrap it up for, yeah, sorry about the tangent uh, at the end there. this week. No, no, pro- no, we love it. Yeah, we, we love, love it. it. I learned, so I, I would rather know the information I just learned for sure. Yes. Um, <laughs> that was, uh, why am I already blanking? We've, we've been going long enough that <laughs> I'm skin. delirious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was seven beauties in the skin. I am Hesse Denny. Oh, look at Hesse. Uh, yes. Yeah. Take over here with <laughs> Josh Lewis and Jamie Weir. <laughs> That's right. Look at don't look at you could be third bike. Look yeah. at that. Look at her go. <laughs> um, that will uh, I think wrap it up for everything um, this week. Thanks so much, Hessa, for for joining us and for yeah. bringing once again the, the craziest the, the seven shit ever and, and the skin. Yeah, these were great. I'm so glad, seriously, that I that I watched these films and I hope everyone who listens goes out there and finds it. Uh, anyone in our Discord can uh, find easy access to the skin. That's right. I won't say exactly how, but it's out there. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, thanks so much for bringing these films and, and for joining us. Uh, if you've got anything that you want to plug while you're here or anything, yeah. maybe if you want people to check out your Twitter or I have heard rumblings that you might be working on a movie. Yeah. Oh, possibly? well, yeah. we'll see. You know, <laughs> I mean, okay. <laughs> Things uh, are in the works. Let's just say we have some major uh, talent signed on and some uh, mm. big, uh, you know, big things happening. But awesome. <laughs> I can't, t- can't talk about them. Yeah, can't talk, can't about, talk them. about it yet. Watch this space. But um, also listen to my podcast, Absolutely. Seeking Derangements. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm doing this new thing where I it takes me like six hours to edit each episode. Um, oh my god <laughs> because i do so many sounds and like little edits and shit um but awesome yeah so check everyone check that out um and follow me on twitter at zero suit Camus. follow me on letterboxd at hessa h-e-s-s-e um yeah that's pretty much it Perfect. Yeah. Go, uh, go check her out and go watch those spaces for sure. Yeah. Interesting yeah. <laughs> things are, um, are on the way for our listeners. We are going to be back in one week's time where, uh, we, int- as Jamie mentioned at the top of the show, we introduced some democracy and did your patron voted episode where once every two months, we let you nominate a bunch of double features and have you all vote on the one that you want to hear us cover the most. And that episode that you, uh, folks decided on for next week is one risky business yeah. oh starring Tom Cruise. <laughs> 
as well as After Hours by Martin Scorsese. We're going to be talking about some horned up 80s yuppies <laughs> over on the Patreon feed in one week's time exclusively over there. So check it out if you're interested. And then in two weeks time, kind of bouncing off the uh, the sort of music video 80s style, a little bit of risky business. Uh, I figured that we would finally talk about the world of Miami Vice. We are going to be talking about one, the television pilot <laughs> Brothers Keeper yeah. from the 80s. Yo, the, uh, the, yeah. the, the TV movie pilot for the Miami Vice television show. And the guest who is coming on thought of nothing else to pair it with. So we're breaking the rules slightly on that episode. And we are going to be talking about Michael Mann's <laughs> Miami Vice <laughs> as oh. the pairing. We're going to go full Miami that. Vice mode oh, double Miami that. Vice double feature Damn. who's the guest for that so one? breaking the rules uh, our good friend Emmett Booth who I don't think you know Hessa but uh he's been a longtime supporter of the show and I he, he just kept pitching man episodes and I kept being like we're gonna save it we're gonna save it because there's only so many we can do we really have to savor them mm-hmm. um <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the and perfect pairing, honestly. I think that's beautiful. I think, yeah, sure I think it yeah. works with breaking the rules a little bit for that one. It is Miami Vice. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> and and I can't wait to talk about the pilot because so, yeah, obviously so it. many people talk about Michael Mann's 2006 film. It's a really beautiful film. We'll talk about it. Probably my favorite but like, man. I, <laughs> yeah, I love the pilot. Uh, not Maybe not just as much, but I also vibe the pilot. So no, the pilot <laughs> we will We will... We will be talking about that uh, as well. We'll so, be putting you know, on two my weeks best time. Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, and, and two, I'll be excited to talk about how Risky Business technically beat the Miami Vice pilot to the uh, In the Air Tonight needle drop. Oh. A lot of people don't know, oh, but it did. <laughs> so we're going to get a little bit of episode crossover going on there as well. So. Uh, but yeah, that being said, I think that wraps it up for everything this week. Thanks so much, uh, as always, for listening. And keep it sleazy. Keep it sleazy. If it's sleazy.